and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And we have a very, very special slice of musical goodness for you this week. Yes, indeed. Because we're going to talk about a show that really, really matters to both of us. Yeah, the reason why we have this podcast. Yes, and it's really fitting that as we are on episode 99, before we hit that big triple digit number, mm-hmm. that we talk about Waitress. Because like you say, without this show, <laughs> there may not be this show. Yeah. Because this was the first musical that we went to the theatre to see together. Yes. So our first date, mm-hmm. like... Just me and you. Yeah. We went to see Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Prince Charles Theatre. Yes, we did. Threw you right in at the deep end. Full costumes. Not for us, but I wasn't going to do that to you. Full costumes. Throwing things at the screen. Having a great time. But you say that like I'd never experienced Rocky Horror. Like for me, I'd seen Rocky Horror live at the theatre. Funnily enough, the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Where we're going to for Waitress. Yep. But I'd also seen the film many a time. And I would really wanted to go to one of these live experiences for the mm-hmm. longest time. But, you know, our first theatre trip was a spontaneous decision in London one day. Yeah. To go and see Waitress. We had a few choices. Mm-hmm. We were tempted by Joseph. We were tempted yes. by quite a few. I... I'll admit I was on the fence about Waitress because I didn't know much about it. And, you know, and and listen to our conversation with Evelyn Hoskins, who plays Dawn. But Drew told me that the plot given in the synopsis for Waitress had nothing to do with the show. And that's the thing is the plot synopsis wasn't great. Yeah, it was. I actually have it in front of me. Oh, really? To read it to you. Yes, please. So this is what I gave Danny before we went in to see the show because it made me laugh so hard that I was like, oh, you need to read this. And you don't like spoilers. No, I really don't like spoilers. And you were like, oh, I need to, I don't want to read this because I don't want to know the plot. And I was like, this is not the plot of this show. So this says, Jenna, a waitress and expert pie maker who dreams of a way out of her small town and loveless marriage. A baking contest in a nearby county and the town's new doctor may offer her a chance at the fresh start while her fellow waitresses offer their own recipes for happiness. But Jenna must summon the courage and strength to rebuild her own life. Now, that doesn't fill me with excitement. No. Which is probably why this show did struggle on the West End for its year that it was there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do the show justice. And then you step in and you are part of this show, of this world. Yeah. And oh my God days it's amazing yeah you know you go in first of all the safety curtain is a pie lattice which is fantastic you see like these pies that create the proscenium arch Mm -hmm. you are part of this world and it's so exciting and you show up at the adelphi theater and it smells of pies because you can buy a pie yep and i fell in love with this show straight away it was it was definitely a very important moment in our blossoming romance we'd only not even been together a month yet but we saw it that one time. Now, you, this was the second time you'd seen it. Because you saw it when it opened initially with Catherine McPhee. Yes. Yeah, I guess it was the second time I'd seen it. And I, I've, when we went to see this, we had Lucy Jones as Jenna, who was Jenna on the tour up until recently. She is now Alphaba. 
Yep. Which is amazing. You saw Jack McBriar as Ogie. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, so jealous. I don't know who that is. He's in 30 Rock and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh yeah, he was great. Um, he's Fix-It Felix. Yes, he is Fix-It Felix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was and... exciting. Uh, that's all I know him from. That shows you the breadth of my... Uh... But I, I was very excited because when we saw it for the first time, I saw it with Blake Harrison as Ogie. And I am a big fan of The Inbetweeners. Uh, I don't know how well it's aged, but I really liked Blake Harrison. And it's quite and nice. That was one of the things that I was like, I don't know how that's going to be. Because I've seen The Inbetweeners movie. That's yes. my only uh, awareness of The Inbetweeners. One yeah. of my friends is in that film. Yeah. So that's like all I know about it. But yeah, he was great. He was, he really, was good. really, really good. And... Yeah, loved it. We came out of the theatre and we'd already spoken before, I think, about like musicals just in general, what you liked, what you didn't yeah. like. And we started talking about the idea of like, oh, I'm just going to make you watch all of these musicals. Yes, you did, yeah. Because you need to see them. They're important to me. And like, it was the kind of the only thing. And I say this jokingly to people all the time, but it's the only thing that was wrong with you. <laughs> well, yeah. In the nicest possible way. It was like, every we were so compatible on every single level and obviously still are. And I was like, the only thing that you're not like a massive theatre kid over is musicals because you're a theatre person. I am a theatre person. But you're not a, mu- a you're not a musical theatre kid in the way that people mean when they say it. Because I, <laughs> I was. So here's the thing. So I love the medium. And obviously over the past 99 episodes, well, 98 episodes, mm-hmm. people will hear that I enjoy these. It's not like you have to drag me kicking and screaming to watch musicals. Cats. I went willingly. <laughs> I my my thing with musicals is the fact that as somebody that cannot sing or certainly never felt empowered by people that you know when I was at school that here's how you use your voice. Mm-hmm. For me, doing a school musical turned me off the idea of performing just because you're in Oliver, right? I was in Oliver. I was Mr. Yeah. Bumble, but <laughs> post that. I, I knew that if a musical was going to be cast for, I wasn't, you know, complaining that I'd have some more. I'm happy just to be on stage. But I knew for a fact that a musical... Was out of your wheelhouse. Was out, yeah. Yeah. Which is such a shame. I actually think that had I had people that empowered me and said, no, your voice is good. Here, let's work with you. Maybe that would have been different. Well, I think that all the time. Like, I have been in musicals, not professionally, but since I was like four years old yeah right and i went to theater club i went to a theater specific sixth form and or college whatever you want to call it and it was not until i was i worked at summer camp in america with the staff at the summer camp could do a show yeah and we did little shop of horrors and i got cast as audrey and that was the first time that i ever worked with a Uh, the musical director for that show, that he said anything to me, anyone had ever said anything to me about the way that I sang. And he was like, oh, if you do this, you'll be able to hold that note for longer. And if you, uh, like the way that you hold your face and your jaw is changing the way that these sound. And like, nobody had ever said that to me before. Yeah. So if you don't have somebody around who is going to tell you those things, or at least knows more about those things, then you can look up on the internet. Yeah. Then 
you're not going to know what to do. Exactly. And it's then, the same as any other talent. Yeah. And obviously, it's not just, you know, you do it once and you're good at it. It takes hours upon hours upon hours of honing and work. Mm-hmm. And I would have happily put the work in. The other issue was, and I say this with, with the utmost respect for obvious reasons, but I, I came from a single parent background. Yeah. You know, my mum was going through college and university at the time, you know, when I was at secondary school. The money wasn't there to go and have specialist vocal training, specialist dance training, or even theatre tickets. Yeah. The money just wasn't there. And theatre, as beautiful and majestic as it is, can sometimes be just out of that price range of the people it could otherwise inspire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of the great things about my job is, you know, recently took... 40 young people to go and see blood brothers of those 40 maybe 15 had never been to a theater before yeah and that that amazes me that you know young people you know 14 15 16 have never been to the theater yet but it's fairly normal it is fairly normal but i think you know these are drama students yeah they've done this because they enjoy it they Mm -hmm. want to perform and i think you know, musicals especially command such a high ticket rate. Yes. For a reason. I'm not here to disparage the price of musicals. I think it's fair, considering everything that goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of staff you have to pay, the amount of crew you have to that pay. There is a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the costs of running a theatre. But if you come from a poorer background, it's not the most accessible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the genesis of this podcast. It was amazing. Come Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. twenty twenty, I was looking to get you theatre tickets. Yep. And I wanted to get you Phantom, but it was a little bit out of the price range. Definitely. And then I saw this magical email that said, "Sarah Baralis, Gavin Creel, waitress." And I was like, "Right, I have to get tickets to see this. Mm-hmm. It's Sarah Baralis." Yeah. Who writes the music for this show. Mm-hmm. And I surprise you on Valentine's Day. And you can go over to Instagram and Twitter and you'll see the picture that I drew. You'll see why Drew does the artwork for our episodes. <laughs> I drew a picture of Jenna. It's only you know. mildly better. <laughs> Here's what we're going to go see for Valentine's Day. And on uh, February 19th, I believe it was, mm-hmm. 2020, we went really good seats, quite close to the front. And we saw waitress for the second time this time of Sarah Baralis as Jenna Evelyn Hoskins as Dawn mm-hmm. which was fantastic and Gavin Creel as Dr Pometer yeah so waitress is a really important show to us the fact we're going to spend Valentine's Day at Joe's Pie Diner is so exciting it's like the perfect show for Valentine's Day I think absolutely it's heartwarming but heartbreaking it's it's, it's funny and raunchy and yep. we love it Yeah, and there's so much about this show that is great, and yet it didn't do well on the West End. I I thought it was open longer. It was only open a year, partly because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But it's a show that you've told me has this huge history with stunt casting. Uh, Yes. So one of the casts in the UK had Joe Sugg, as Ovi. Yes. Now, I'm pretty sure that's Zoella's brother. It is. I'm not hugely up to date on 
internet personalities, but I know he's a YouTuber with a like a bajillion subscribers. And he was on Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah. And that was his like stage debut after Strictly Come Dancing, right? So he was in that and that was, I believe, around the time of Mean Girls. Yes. Stunt casting Cameron Dallas. Now, I'm sure he was trying his hardest, but people were making comparisons on the internet between Cameron Dallas in Mean Girls and Joe Sugg in Waitress. And so I was like, okay, I don't need to see this. Because the previous stunt casting had all been people who had some kind of theatre background. They either went to theatre school or they'd been in theatre before. And I'm not saying anything against people having their West End or Broadway debut, but it wasn't my favourite casting they've ever done. Yeah. You know? They did similar things on Broadway. You had Colleen Ballinger playing Dawn with Todrick Hall as Ogie. Now, both of those people are theatre people. Uh, Todrick Hall had previously been Lola in Kinky Boots. Yeah. And he's a big musical theatre person. Colleen Ballinger is a singer. Like, she's very well known for being a singer. Interestingly, I thought she was poorly cast as Dawn. I think she'd have been a better Jenna. Yeah. But they weren't going to do that, you know? So it's usually the side characters that are stunt cast, with the exception of, occasionally, Dr. Pometer. Is stunt cast because and, Jeremy Jordan has played Dr. Pometer. Yeah, and I feel like with this version of Waitress, we have got Matt Willis mm-hmm. from Busted as Dr. Pometer. Yes. I, I'm sure he is a fantastically talented performer. But well, he's he, a singer. So. He's a singer. Yeah. He would not have been cast in this if he wasn't the right person for, for the role for this tour. But the fact that he's, you know, like the big star on the banner that says Matt Willis as Dr. Pometer. I feel like that is a little bit of a stunt casting Mm -hmm. because you're going from somebody who's not conventionally known for their theatre background, who's known more for their pursuits outside of theatre to bring people in. That's not a bad thing. But really interestingly, Busted's target audience is now our age. Yeah. So that's fine. That's who you would expect. But Joe Sugg's target audience is like teeny boppers. Which for this show feels a little bit weird. A little bit weird. A little bit weird. We'll talk about that after we've been to see it, with the spoiler section. Yes. So, when this originally came to be... Well, it was a film first. Yeah. It was the 2007, the film came out, it was written by... Adrian Shelley. And also directed and starring Adrian Shelley. She played Dawn. Yes, she did. And really, really sad history with her. We're not a true crime podcast, but you can look it up for yourself. She was murdered. Mm-hmm. Before the film ever released. Yeah. In 2006. Yeah, and, and the film's dedicated to her. Yeah, and it's incredibly sad, you know, that the person who murdered her then tried to make it look like a suicide. And it, you know, was leaving her husband and her children behind. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly, incredibly sad that, A, she didn't live to see the success of waitress the film and it's on disney plus if you haven't seen the film it's not a musical but it's such a phenomenal film really really well made independent yeah. film and nathan fillion plays dr pometer Which and it's tell- like young yeah. nathan fillion it's great she tells you a lot about dr pometer's casting type yes but then again because that's the thing with dr pometer you're supposed to 
he comes across in some ways like the serious love interest character, but yeah. he's actually always been cast as like this huge dork character. And then you've got Kerry Russell as, as Jenna. Jenna, who she's also a great comedy actress. Yeah. It's an amazing film. You know, the film itself did fairly well, you know, with a very, very small budget. It made quite a bit of money back. It it was 1.5 million budget and 23 million global. Yeah, which, and, and it has a fantastic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 89% fresh. Hmm. I'd never heard of the film pre the show. And I have said in the past, I am bored of seeing, not bored, but so much new musicals nowadays are inspired by films yes there's there feels like a real lack of original stories nowadays and it's the kind of thing where like this is talked about quite a lot in the theater community but i think people are more accepting of books being turned into musicals yes than they are of films being turned into musicals like we're, we're in the weird <laughs> mean girls circle of life which was that it was a book yeah. Then it was a movie. Then was there a was a movie. First. Yeah. Then there was a book based on the movie. <laughs> then now there's the musical. And now they're making a movie of the musical. Yeah. And this is the thing. It's like, considering I'm such a huge fan of School of Rock as well. Movie first, then show. Waitress, movie first, then show. I think because I went into Waitress not knowing it was a movie first, I didn't have that criticism of it. Mm. And like School of Rock, I think it adds more to the movie. Because you get this new medium of storytelling that really helps with the character development. Yeah. And, you know, it's not right for every movie to become a musical. But I feel like this was the right one because it wasn't as well known a movie property. Mm. And I think, again, if you look through the programme, because I know we've got programmes historically, they all pay respect to Adrienne Shelley as well. Yeah. Which I think it's really great that her legacy lives on in this way. After the film was very successful it's one of those kind of mini cult movies yes so like it's really loved by people but but by a very small amount of people that were there needs to spread yeah and around 2013 just after the tony awards producers barry and fran weisler announced that a musical production of the film was in the works and that they were going to have paula vogel write the book and then they announced that Sarah Bareilles would be writing music and lyrics. She had previously tried to write a musical with one of her friends, and yeah. it was called Lesbians, which <laughs> I love. I would have loved to see that, but apparently it just sort of went nowhere. They yeah. didn't really have a plot for it. They were just doing it for fun. So then when she got invited to write the music and lyrics for this, she went, she watched the film, she like obsessively learned about the characters, she did loads of research into the making of the film, into why it was made, into yeah. how like who these characters are, and then she wrote a bunch of songs, more than are actually in the show. And the songs capture the heart so well, and having that country edge to a lot of them works Mm -hmm. so beautiful it's like a very unique thing to waitress yeah and the weisers had actually purchased the rights the stage rights to the film after its release in 2007 yeah. so they'd be sitting on this for a while paula vogel then withdrew from the project in 2014 and then the musical got officially confirmed in december of that same year and they were going to have their world premiere at, in cambridge massachusetts as like a little workshop if you say, come with me off to Massachusetts. Nice. I'm so glad that that's what you've taken from uh, Little Women. <laughs> Sing Little Women. 
But they'd now brought on Jesse Nelson as the author. And am I right in thinking that this is one of the most successful shows, or maybe even one of the first shows that has an all-female creative team? Yes, indeed. So Jesse Nelson, like I've just said, she wrote, she also wrote Alice by Heart, which was like a smash theatre show. People loved that. I wish I'd gone and seen that. It was meant to be really good. She also wrote a lot of films in the 90s and early 2000s. And then worked on this. Obviously, then you've got Sarah Bareilles. Yeah, superstar. Yeah, then you have Diane Paulus as the director and Lauren Lataro as the choreographer. Yeah. And the Clinton Foundation actually honoured the all-female team by launching something called the Hashtag Ceiling Breaker campaign and distributing <laughs> free tickets to people. That's so which cool. Is pretty cool. Yeah. So... Interestingly, the workshop had a lot of people that we recognised yes. in it. A lot of people who went on to be in the actual show. But So you had Jesse Mueller, who we watched in Carousel. Yes. Keila Settle, who obviously is a goddess. Yep. From Great Showman. Currently in London for Anne Juliet as well. Yes, and she's just done a couple of her own concerts I know, too. I really wish I'd go and see those, but... They had Barrett Wilbert Weed, who was the original Veronica in Heather's The Musical. Yeah. I don't know who she played, but I can imagine it's Dawn. Yeah. But I think that's really interesting casting. Christopher Fitzgerald as Ogie, who then went on to be the original Ogie on Broadway. Yeah. Bryce Pinkham, who I love Bryce Pinkham. He is the guy, you're not going to know who he is other than that. He's the main guy in A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Okay. I listen to that so often. Yes. Love that show. And Andy Carl, among others, taking part. Yes. And then when it does go to Broadway, mm -hmm. we also add Kimiko Glenn. Yeah. So Barry Wilbert Weed leaves, replaced by Kimiko Glenn to play Dawn. We get Drew Gelling as Dr. Pometer. And he's on the recording, the soundtrack. Yes. Nick Cordero, when they open on Broadway. Keila Settle stays. We've got Dakin Matthews playing Joe. Christopher Fitzgerald as Ogie and Eric Anderson as yes. Cal. And that's our first cast. So when does it start in, in America? It's quite a, quite a bit before it ever makes it over to London. It's 2015, 2016? So it moved from Massachusetts to Broadway and their previews began in 2016. Yeah. Officially it opened on April 24th, just in time for the Tony Awards cutoff date, yep. which was the 28th. Wow, that's April. good for your consideration. Yeah. And then they... <laughs> Probably backfired on them. They should have waited a week so they could have been in separate... <laughs> Next year's one, yeah. Separate year, because they're up against School of Rock and Hamilton, aren't they? Mm -hmm. It ran from 2016 to 2020. And then obviously stops because global pandemic. Yep. And then they announced that in 2021, the show would be going back into theatres and would star Sarah Bareilles. She had been in it previously yes. for a number of shows. There was a show that actually had to have a halt during the performance because there was a technical issue. Yep. And Sarah Bareilles came out and performed two songs, including one song that wasn't in the show because it, was got, it got cut beforehand, which is very cool. And they actually, when they were making the show... They brought in two bakers to make sure that the baking scenes were realistic. So uh, Jesse Mueller, who was playing Jenna at the time, had to be able to crack eggs, sift flour and roll out dough on stage. And one of them, whose name is Dawn Mayo, actually created all of the prop pies 
that were made in the that were used in the show. So it comes over to England. 2019. Yes. The mm. preview start on the 8th of February 2019. It opens officially the 7th of March 2019. Closes a year later, the 14th of March 2020. It was, it was announced it was going to close on the 4th of July anyway. But obviously COVID put a halt to that. When the rehearsals were going in place... Um, Sarah Bareilles was unable to attend those that, that process because she was actually starring as Jenna at the time. Mm-hmm. But she did make it over for that last week of rehearsals and she was there opening night for previews. She introduced the show personally on the 8th of February. Mm-hmm. She came on stage to do an impromptu thank you, which is fantastic. And then again on the 7th of March, she came on stage at the end of the official London press night. Yeah. She led three tiers of the theatre in a harmony of Sugar Butterflower before she sang What's Inside. And you had Carrie Hope Fletcher in attendance, Beverly Knight in attendance, and Andrew Lloyd Webber in attendance. Which is a very cool thing for an opening. Like, if you think about Andrew Lloyd Webber is there at your opening, that's quite a big deal for a London show to be like, people see him there. That, That should be like, oh, this show's a big deal. Yeah. And yes, she came over for that final month and was part of the final performance in the UK as as Jenna. This tour version, I'm very excited to see a lot of how it translates. Yeah. You know, to get, to, to you know, put a wrap on it before we go. We have got a fantastic cast in this. We have got Chelsea Halfpenny, who, you know, we've not seen on stage, but we obviously saw her perform on the national lottery big night at the musicals and she was beautiful like oh my god brought me to tears just watching her she was in nine to five yeah at the savoy theater we've obviously got matt willis who has actually got a really good theater cv so he was uh fiero in wicked at the apollo victoria which is pretty cool he was uh, the Dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. Again, very, very cool role. So I'm, I'm filled with a bit more hope. We've got um, a few actual waitress alumni on this tour who have been on the show at the West End. So Sandra Marvin, who plays Becky, she she performed on the West End in Waitress. Uh, has a great CV as well. Things like Hairspray, things like A Midsummer Night's Dream chicago we have got evelyn hoskins who we spoke with about waitress she's reprising the role of dawn and we saw her with sarah Borales in february uh, george crawford who was the cover elder price and cover elder cunningham in the book of mormon uk tour as ogie so a really really good cast that i'm very very excited to see so we've got a really really good show ahead of us I'm so excited to go back. I know I'm going to laugh. I know I'm going to cry. I might cry because I'm laughing. But I'm very, very excited to go back and watch Waitress. Yeah, me too. So we are heading off to the new Victoria Theatre in Woking, ready to take our seats for maybe the highlight of our theatre year before the year's even got going. And we'll be back very, very shortly after intermission. 
your address Sparks were spontaneous I'll sing from mountain tops I am in love, love, love And I don't care who knows it Lucky me I was ordinary But with your love, you see Express this if I'm able. I love you like a table. And we are back. Oh, what a beautiful evening. Yeah. Oh, I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Act two. <laughs> Act two just left me either sobbing because I'm sad or sobbing for like joy. Yeah. But it's just such and obviously a... crying laughing too. Yeah, like it's just such an excellent show and quite deservedly got a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. I think I was one of the first up. I was just like straight away like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Like loved it so much. But then we always knew we would enjoy this one. Yeah. I mean... Shout out to the students of ours that were in the audience. Yes, it was lovely to see some of you and um, especially see you in watching you avert your eyes midway through Act 2. It was amazing. (laughs) It is. It was amazing. And, you know, it just was such a great evening. Yeah, it really was. So, obviously, we went to New Victoria Theatre in Woking, we had an absolutely fantastic time. And I'd also like to just say thank you to Olivia there who helped set up our interview with Evelyn Hoskins. Yeah. Because, you know, we wouldn't have got that opportunity without you. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So we got to see the pie lattice curtain again. Yeah, we did. Which I'm really glad translated to the tour because I think it's such a wonderful part of setting up this world. Yeah. We didn't get the senior march filled with pies, which I knew was probably not going to happen. But they've still found a way. They bring on a little, like, storage unit for the pies that can be wheeled on wherever they need it to be. Yeah, and that was good. That's a good way to adapt. Yeah, adapt to it. Yeah. We did not, however. Yes. Get Matt Willis. No, we didn't. (laughs) That's his name, Matt Willis. So unfortunately. He was ill on Valentine's Day for performance, which is such a shame. Mm. You know, obviously we were really excited to see him, especially when, again, Olivia from the New Victoria Theatre in Woking told us that he's a hometown boy, that he went to school in Woking for a period of time. So it's kind of like a homecoming. So instead we got Nathaniel Landsgrenner, who has previously been in a couple of different tours he was in the Legally Blonde International Tour. He was in Scrooge at, in Leicester. Back to the Future at the Manchester Opera House. So that's like when it was on in Manchester, yes. which is very cool. Is that when Oliver Ormson was in it? Uh, probably, yeah, at the same time. And he was fantastic. Oh, he was brilliant. I really liked him as Dr. Pomiser. Yes. And I think there's an element with him of because he looks younger almost than Jenner, actually... Yeah, they're both very young looking. They are. It plays off a little bit of naivety of Dr. Pometer, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting, I think, as a dynamic. Yeah. 
And it's one of those shows that I think the age of the cast really does impact, I guess, the views of them. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that later on as we introduce some other characters. Yeah. But it was quite interesting to see a Pometer that looked a little bit younger than her, just because yeah, it, it just... kind of swaps the power dynamic a little bit and makes him feel far more naive and just easily led. I guess. I mean, he can't be younger than her. I, I know he because can't. Because he's like a trained and professional gynecologist. So just interesting, I thought, though. Yeah. I, I One of the things I completely forgot until we were there. And it's such a shame that this is not on the soundtrack, even as like a bonus song, is the now turn off your cell phone. Yeah, that's really cute. I forgot about that and I love it so much. So mm. obviously what you have at every waitress performance on broadway on west end and obviously it's been extended to the uk national tour is sarah Bareilles singing turn off your cell phone yep. saying how every show can be ruined by a bring bring mm-hmm. and it's brilliant and it goes so well into sugar butter flower but it's one of those things that like with book of mormon i really appreciate that every show has kind of an easter egg and a homage to the people that wrote it yeah because book of mormon has trey parker's voice in every performance as an audio Mm -hmm. i think that's very very cool you obviously can't get these people to commit to full-fledged performances yeah this is a really nice way at keeping them involved in a smaller capacity Mm -hmm. but it's so nice it just sets the tone really really well and then we go into sugar Butter, flour, sugar, butter, flour. And we get what's inside. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> right, this is the only time this happened in the whole show, but there's a woman next to me, and then the woman next to her started singing along. Yes. And the woman next to me elbowed her and was like, shut up. The thing <laughs> is, great. Though, it's a really difficult Good. show f- for me to not sing along to. Like, I, I don't sing along in the in the theatre because we're not psychopaths but this is such a catchy soundtrack and i'm like bopping along mm-hmm. just as discreetly as i can because i'm aware that other people are there but this is once you know the songs of this it's so catchy yeah and what's inside is really lovely you get this spotlight on chelsea halfpenny as jenna and she was just phenomenal mm-hmm. throughout I always forget how much I love how the ensemble cast are dressed. Yes. And we had, obviously, a phenomenal orchestra. Who I also forget. band, rather. Sorry. Yeah, the Waitress Band. They are on stage. They're not in a pit. Mm -hmm. We went into the theatre. I was like, oh, look, the pit's gone. They've got more seats. And you're like, yeah, because they're on stage. It's like, of course they are. And it's it's so much fun when that happens. And it's really, like, great when you see them. Mm -hmm. And it just... It's it's such a different way of, you know, presenting a musical. Yeah. That just, it makes this show even more unique and personal. The ensemble are great. And yeah, they come out and they're carrying, you know, the different ingredients for Jenna as she sings what's inside. Mm-hmm. And I just love the way it ends. Like, clearly she's in her own little brain at this point. You know, and you get the, what a mess I'm making. Yeah. And then you know lights up it's a brand new day we get the sign for joe's pie diner come down we Mm -hmm. see the diner come to life yeah 
with one of my most favourite of musical theatre songs, the song that should have been played across every theatre as they opened up for the first time post-pandemic, Yeah, opening up. It's so good, and it does a really fantastic job at introducing a lot of the key players. So you get Cal behind the desk cooking. Mm -hmm. You get Dawn and you get Becky. And, like, the way they're all in sync putting their aprons on, pouring sugar and like passing things to the patrons. Just the choreography is so crisp and so precise. But you get get this real sense that together they're stronger than they are individually and that they are a well-oiled machine Mm -hmm. and that they really rely on each other as well. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's so important with Waitress is getting the right mix of this trinity of characters in mm-hmm. Dawn, Becky, Jenna. Because, yes, Jenna is the bigger of the three. It's her story. Yeah. But the pair of them are so vital for different reasons. They balance each other out. Yeah. So, obviously, you've got Jenna, who's down on her luck <laughs> in a loveless <laughs> marriage. And then you've got Dawn, who is very, very particular. A little bit OCD. You know, the way she's filling up the ketchup and mustard but also putting them out in a nice organized way mm-hmm. and obviously is a little bit hasn't become the best version of herself yet like she's the youngest of the three she's definitely the youngest of the three and she also some people read her as autistic which i find really interesting that's obviously not something that anybody's said in the show no it's never never expressly said it's not like it's a key point to her personality but I like Ogie and Dawn can definitely be read as autistic characters. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah, definitely. And then you got Becky, who is possibly a few years older than Jenna. Yeah. I think that's always been my reading that she's. She's the oldest of the three of them for sure. She's yeah. younger than Cal. Yes. But then they have a mutual friend who is Cal's wife. Yes. So. I've always thought that, like, Cal's wife is probably in the middle of the two of them in age. Yeah. So they both know her. And again, Becky is in this difficult place in her life. I never never know exactly what is wrong with her husband, but she is clearly his carer. Uh, Yes. And obviously she is duty bound to him and obviously still loves him. Mm -hmm. But that itself comes with a whole new range of challenges for her as a person. Yeah, we're told that her husband isn't capable of sort of caring for himself anymore. And I think opening up does a really good job at showing that this isn't just a job, that this is a family. Yeah. Almost. And they all need each other. And even like the addition of like how is part of this family, even though he, he could be seen as this really, really annoying boss character. He's never not like he's never a villain. He's obviously like, come on, get back to work. But you sense that he's on their side. He roots for them just as much. Yeah, we get a great bit. We're probably going to jump around when we talk about stuff with this one anyway. But we get a great bit where they all go into the bathroom, and he's standing outside shouting at them. Yes. And even though he is having a go at them, he's being like, "You need to get back to work." I'm not going to say it again. This is the last time I'm going to say it. And And then he's just like, oh, fine. Okay. There's another bit later on. And again, yeah, we're going to jump around. But Jenna's on the phone to Dr. Pometer. 
and he takes the phone from her and is talking like saying you know even though i'm pregnant i still need to take a plate of perfect uh eggs before they go cold and then as he walks off he's like so doc whilst i got you on the phone can i ask if this is normal you know and it's great like he's (laughs) he's not a bad person none of you know none of these characters bar one are bad people and that's what i really like about waitress is the fact that they are they all come across very much shades of gray and they all come across as very real people they're not like this jenna is the epitome of good she makes bad choices in the same way old joe when we meet him after opening up this gruff old man comes in he's like why is it always so hot in my places i don't like it too hot i want it turned down yeah and and is such this 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 pernickety character in terms of I want my tomato on the side I want it with a cup of coffee but bring the coffee with the meal, you know very very precise and because that stereotype of oh he's this gruff character we're going to learn to hate him, mm. it goes the complete opposite way because it plays with our preconceived notions of what these characters should be. Yeah, and there has actually been a an old Josie instead of Joe. I also very cool with that. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it was June Squibb, who I don't know what you would know her from. She's been in, like, everything. She's great. Silly question. Yeah. How would it impact Take It From An Old Man? Would it be Take It From An Old Man? Probably. I'd be very intrigued, but I think Old Joe is one of those characters that it's nice that his role is what it is, like, as this father character... But considering like Jenna's obviously doing this because it reminds her of her mother, having this substitute mother character could work just as well. Yeah. The so. only thing I can find that I think you would know her from is she's Sheldon's Mima in Big Bang Theory. Okay. It's the only thing I think. And she's Ruth in Solar Opposites. Cool. But yeah, she's great. And I would love to see that. I wonder, I will, I'm going to, I am going to have a look and see if I can find footage of that online because I like the idea yes, of that Yes, I like casting. the idea of that as well. So mid-taking old Joe's order, Jenna starts to feel a little bit sick Mm -hmm. and rushes into the toilet, followed with uh, Becky and Dawn. And this is like, I remember watching this for the first time and thinking, oh my God, she's pregnant. It comes so quickly Mm -hmm. because we get the negative. She rushes in. Becky, you know, is like, take the test. And... Yeah, it's like, Jenna, it's time to pee on a stick. Yeah. And we get the negative, and I really like I love this, this song. song so much. You know, like, I do stupid things when I drink, like sleep with my husband, you know. And Becky, and, and Dawn is like, oh, I love that red dress. Yeah, it's so cute. And it's, you know, again, like, you get this really lovely banter between them. Like, it clearly is. They're not just colleagues. They are each other's extended family the way they're all rooting for each other and you know they're telling it blunt to jenna you know like becky's like yeah how lucky to be to get away with it unprotected you know and it's really really great and they have this nice song i like dawn's line when she's trying to read the instructions and she reads it in spanish Mm -hmm. and she goes read it in english she's like do not put the stick inside your vagina yep and it's like a really funny moment through what is also quite a stressful moment for them like so what waitress does really well is it blends these horrible moments with some really like great comedic moments and yeah the the bell goes that means the test is done they look at it and you just hear a <laughs> a negative response yeah because jenna is in fact pregnant 
So she creates a brand new pie. I don't want Earl's baby pie. Yep, or betrayed by my eggs. <laughs> Dawn pie. says she can't write that on the board. Yeah. So. And as if on cue, in comes Earl. Mm-hmm. Earl is such an interesting character. This is the only time I find him funny. Yeah. Because at this point... We don't know the true extent. Yeah, we don't know what he's really like. At this point, he's just some idiot who shows up. You get a little bit of a hint of it in his whole, where's my kiss? And she's yeah. like, I'm at work. He's like, I don't care. You're my wife. Before anything else, where's my kiss? Yeah. And then he takes her tip money off of her. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, okay, this isn't great. But then that is like immediately followed up with a joke about his tattoo. Yes. Which you can just then be like with that you're like oh he's an idiot okay. and that's why like, she's he's a harmless idiot yeah like it, it's the element is also this is why jenna doesn't want to be pregnant because she knows that she's going to be doing even more because mm-hmm. like he's not gone to work because he's had an argument with the foreman because he was late he's like but you, you don't blame the tackle bell line on me you yeah. know and what, one of the things I really like during this whole exchange, because he's like, where's my kiss? And counting the tip money. You just see old Joe looking at him with pure disgust on his face. Yeah. And it's just a small thing that when you notice it, you notice it. But we've got Michael Stark as Joe. Mm-hmm. And he's brilliant. Like these, these small moments that he does, he's just looking. And before you know that he's this nice character, he's not just this gruff bossy man who owns the diner he cares about the people especially jenna Mm -hmm. and seeing these reactions there i think also helps you realize there's more to earl than you're thinking and yeah he has this great moment where he gets up and he's like do you want to see what i bought and he shows it (laughs) don't touch it the paint's still wet yeah and as he leaves becky just goes that'll be helpful for in case he forgets who he is yeah yeah She's so done. I love Becky. And I think that is like where she comes across as being a little bit older than Jenna is that like she, well, she has a line in the opening song where she's like been around the block and came back again. Yeah. So she's been here before and she's sort of at that point where she's just like done with what everybody else's issues are. And there's more to it with that. Like, like you say, when he demands the kiss and the tips, you're like, oh, he's nasty. And then there's other moments where Jenna's really proud of herself and she's saying how like, yeah, today's pie sold out really quickly. He's like, yeah, well, you know, Sarah Lee, like, don't, you know, you're not a big deal. Yeah. You know that he's this nasty character. And at this point, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things the waitress does is the moments where we go inside Jenna's head. Yeah. And like, it's signaled with a really nice lighting change. And like a little bit of music. Yeah, and usually the ensemble come out and hand her things. Like yeah. the running away with the... Yes, and it... can't remember what the actual name of that pie is, but it's the... She gets the suitcase and stuffs it and... Yeah, like... trying to make yeah that escape and it's it's fantastic. But this one we have, um, my husband's a jerk chicken pot pie. Yep. She's like, you beat the chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, small things like that. And then he brings her back to life. But they do, they do a really good job at knowing when you're in the character's head as opposed to it being, I guess, diegetic sound that everyone can hear. Yeah. Yes, so Becky and Dawn are both saying, you you shouldn't be with him, he's not right for you. You need to leave him. And Jenna obviously says that she couldn't afford it if she wanted to. There's no point even thinking about it. Yeah. And we get what baking can do. She stays behind, I guess, after the the diner closes to make Mm -hmm. the pies for the next day. And obviously, 
is lost in her mind. She escapes her troubles. And we get like nice bits with her mum in the background, like her mum comes out and it's like you share this moment of her as a child where she learnt this all. Mm -hmm. And it's really lovely. But we also see that history is repeating itself. That Yeah, and this is kind of the first time, because this is what, the fourth time I've seen this, fifth time now. <laughs> Worrying. Um, <laughs> but this is sort of the first time I started thinking about like, why are Jenna's parents dead? Like, where are they? Because we learn later on that when her mum died, her dad just, like, drank himself to death, basically. Yeah. And you sort of get the idea that maybe Jenna's mum died because the way the abuse she was receiving yeah. from her dad. Because Elsa has a line as well, doesn't he? It's like, when your dad died, who was there for you? And no, it was when your mum died. There, there you go, when your mom Who died. was there for you when your dad was drinking himself to death every night? And yeah. you're just like, oh, okay. And it actually does help explain why there's why she ended up married to Elle anyway. Is because... If he was the only person that was there for her, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. But we get what Bacon can do, which is... I love this song. My, this is the point at which I started crying. Yeah. <laughs> My, my one critique of what Bacon can do, and this isn't a, just this performance of it, but it's every performance. I always feel like the song, it kind of goes up, goes back down, and it feels like it's lifting up to another like crescendo. And it doesn't reach that point at the end. Mm. You know, just like... It's not supposed to. No, I know. But I always, when I listen to it, I always forget that the end of the song's there and it always feels like anticlimactic. Yeah, but the thing with this show the way that they use the i want song in this show because this is jenna's i want song yes she isn't a finished work of art yet if you think about i'm, I'm gonna compare it to the little mermaid because i always do yeah so the i want song in the little mermaid is part of your world ariel already knows what she wants she knows how to get it and she knows how she's gonna get there yes right she wants to be on land with humans and understand how their stuff works because she's collected it her whole life and she already has a good understanding of what it is that she wants. So she knows how she's going to go and get it. So she sings the song about it so that we know how she's going to yeah. go and get it. Whereas here, she's Jenna no doesn't idea. know what she wants. She doesn't know a way out of this and she's now trapped because she's pregnant with Earl's baby. So she doesn't know what she's asking for with her I want song. So it's unfinished. Fair enough. And that's the point. I like that. I mean, this yeah. is it. When you sing it, you always like, you want it to get to an even bigger pit but you're going to have that later on with Jenna when she does kind of know what she wants. Yeah, because Jenna's actual I want song is She Used To Be Mine, yeah. which is super interesting because it's so much later on in the show. Like right at the end, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, your least favourite song is Club Knocked Up. It actually isn't. Is it not? I always thought it was your least favourite song. I think we've talked about it before as like a skip it song thing. Yeah. But I always forget how much I enjoy it until we see the show. And then I'm like, this song's hilarious. <laughs> this is the thing is it's a really good like set change song as well. Is because you've got Jenna going out, getting ready to go to the doctors for this appointment. Yeah. And they turn the um, diner around. It becomes Which the dining office. so awesome. Yeah. I love that as a set piece. But you've got all these pregnant women like going, knock, knock. Who's it's there? It's so uncanny valley and I love it. But like, it's because it's from Jenna's perspective. So it's like these smug pregnant ladies singing about. Like, oh, welcome to our club. Aren't you so happy? And, and Jenna's not happy. Yeah, she doesn't want this. She doesn't belong in their crowd. Mm -hmm. But it, I, I really like it. I think it's a it's a fun little scene-setting song because it distracts you well enough to get key people off stage and to turn 
turn the stage around. It's like the hedgehogs in Wind in the Willows. Oh yeah, it's a set change song. It's a set change song, mm. but it's a really good set change song. Yeah. Does it work maybe without the set change? It's probably more, it is probably closer to a skip it song. Yeah. But it still is such a fun number when you see it there. Mm. And a nice moment for the ensemble. And we get to meet one of my favourite characters in this whole show, Nurse Norma, who in this performance was played by Amelia Atherton, who yes. was so funny. Good. She's so down with Dr. Palmer's behaviour. Yeah. Like, the jokes that she makes as she goes through, and we'll come to them as we get there. there but there's some really great moments with, with, with Nurse her. Norma. I so, so, yeah, Jenna is sat down in her little hospital robe. She's got a pie, and in walks Dr. Palmer. And he's immediately very, very awkward. You know, am I to say congratulations? Or yes. is this a commiseration? Because she's expecting her gynecologist. Yes. They call she, it OBGYN in America. Because her old OBGYN delivered her. Yeah. So has been her doctor her whole life. So mm-hmm. actually that is quite daunting. And obviously a lot of women would rather have a female OBGYN for very I can imagine, yeah. obvious reasons. So here you are already feeling very, very uncomfortable. It's weird that there are more male OBGYNs, I'm just saying. <laughs> and you have this man you've never met before and he doesn't exactly inspire faith in you. Well, there's a, there's a great Nurse Norma joke later on where she says to Jenna, oh, Dr. Pometer's not here, so guess he's going to be inspecting your coochie today. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jenna's just sat there with her pie, like, oh, God, okay, fine. And then she's like, oh, no, I'm kidding. But it's like, yeah, if you show up to your appointment and it's not somebody that you know, or even if it's, like, your first time going to... Because this is her first pregnancy appointment. Yeah. She's obviously been to this doctor before, but... It's still a little daunting. Oh, yeah. And it's someone you don't know. You would just be like, mm, no. And this is it. She doesn't want to be pregnant. So she's saying to Dr. Pometer, like, please do not make this a big deal. This is not a big deal. I'm not happy about it. And I'll tell you what I also like about Waitress is the fact that they at least address. Yeah. Oh, so do you want me to put in you in contact with people who can help you get rid of the baby? They don't just, like, not reference it at all. Mm-hmm. And Jenna says, no, 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 no. I'm going to have the baby. I just want you to know I'm not very happy about it. Yeah. You know, we don't need more. I'm happy that it at least references it. And that Dr. Pometer is also very happy to be like, I will give you this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's very, very cool. You know, we at least address the elephant in the room. Yeah. So it ends with Jenna leaving the appointment. She's not quite sure of Dr. Pometer. And she gives him the pie that she baked for Dr. Perkins. And he says, yeah, I don't have sugar. You know, like, it's bad for you. And, you know, studies say that if you have too much sugar, you won't live to be 100. And Jenna responds to the great things like, yeah, but do you really want to live to 100 and never have lived? Yeah. And she leaves and then he he sees she says, you can give up all the things that would make you live to your 100 years old, but you would want, like, but not have all the things you would want to have to live to 100 years old. Yeah, it sucks. It's great. And at, yeah, she leaves. He's like staring at the pie. And you get like this nice few moments, I guess, because, you know, costume changes and prepping the, the next few scenes. But he's there and he looks at the pie. He takes like a taste. He's like, oh, this is great. Mm. And he tries to find like a spoon or anything, just something he can eat within his trays. Nothing's there. So he scoops it with his stethoscope and he's eating it. And it's just like pure joy on his face. And he gets wheeled off on the doctor's bed as he's eating this pie. And yeah. we come into another day at Joe's Pie Diner. 
Yes, indeed. Everyone shows up late. Mm-hmm. And I really like how Becky comes in with like glasses, trying to be all like discreet about it and like trying to hide from Cal. And their relationship is especially interesting because she's the only one who seemingly stands up to him. Not that they need to stand up to him, but you know that... That's just their relationship. Yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. Whereas, you know, Dawn is so mild, like she would never argue back at him and be like, oh, I'm sorry, Cal, I'm sorry, Cal. Whereas Jenna might be like, don't worry, Cal, it won't happen again, but it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Becky will always put the girls first. Yeah. And she will argue with Cal. And Cal's not obnoxious in it. You understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. He's not a horrible boss character. But I really like watching their dynamic. Yeah. Becky and Dawn sit Jenna down. And they have a gift for her. What oh, yeah, a, this is sad. Yeah, it's What a Mama You're Gonna Be. It's a little book, you know, for expectant mothers. And Dawn is so excited by it. I would not enjoy this as a gift. <laughs> but I, I really like... It, it's a nice thing for them both. Because I think they both realise she's not excited by this. So what can so we... So why did they buy it for her? Because I think they're just trying to be like... Trying to see the good in the situation. You know they should have got her? A little baby-sized apron. Do you know they should have got her? <laughs> a divorce lawyer. A gold pie dish with her name engraved on it. <laughs> but I you know I do like this bit because it sets up kind of like the next like Jenna's arc almost because one of the things is there's a suggestion about writing a letter to the baby she's like oh thanks yeah this is this is great thank you and then they get on the topic of what's going on in their lives and Dawn mentions that she's setting up an online dating profile new Dawn Razin <laughs> god poor new Dawn Razin <sighs> But I love this. And she talks about her profile. And it is so, like, dry and dull. Yeah. Bless her. And it's I mean, cute. No, and I, I I say this in the cutest way as somebody who in the past has agonised over online dating profiles and the content I put into it. Like, it's such a relatable thing. And you're just like, oh, poor Dawn. Because mm-hmm. she's already struck you as, like, really sweet. And you're laughing at her, but you're also like... Oh, but I want it to be work. I want it to work for her. And you get the sense, you know, you see Jenna and Becky just laughing in the background, like, <laughs> but there's also genuine, like, willingness to want to support her. And we go into When He Sees Me, which is such a great song. Yeah, When He Sees Me is one of the best songs from this show. It's yeah. so good. And it's so funny. And all the little jokes about what these fictional online men could be like. Yeah are so like on it but then you've got things like what kind of freak eats the cookie before the cream on an oreo or uh wears one yellow sock and one blue sock i like the bit where it's like he could be colorblind and she lifts up (laughs) yeah she lifts up with the patrons like trousers and you see the socks that aren't matched and then I, he looks at them and he's like hmm? <laughs> but i also like the, the it's the visual gags this song so it's like the and she has the ketchup the but she puts it in the mustard and becky and cute. jenna like swap it and she just keeps going because dawn is so in her head yeah and because we've seen how ocd she is about things yeah or you know how how much she likes having that organization i don't want to say ocd necessarily but you know how big this decision is for her the fact she's making these mistakes Mm -hmm. because she also at the start of the scene is apologizing to cow for the fact that she put out in one morning a ketchup bottle that was only half full and she'll never let that happen again and cow just like okay so you know this is a big deal to her because 
Mm-hmm. It is distracting her, but when he sees me, it's great. And like the moment we have the three patrons step forward and they're dancing with her and moving her around. Yeah. You just want the best for this character. Like, I mean, Evelyn Hoskins was amazing as Dawn anyway. Yeah. There's a real charm to her performance mm-hmm. and a real like innocence. Like you want to bubble wrap this character so that nothing bad happens to her. Yeah. And she captures that really, really well. And the rest of this show, she's just going to go from strength to strength Mm -hmm. as Dawn. So, end of the song, Joe enters. Yep. This is, I mean, this is such a nice one. Because this is where he's, he's talking about the horoscope again. And he says to Jenna that he knows that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has this weird moment and you get the sense that he's all bravado because he talks about how he had a near miss with the woman he was seeing and you know the fact that he's like you know i got lucky this line is always so interesting because every performer i've seen has said it differently yeah and so the the i mean trigger warnings for this but the the woman that joe got pregnant had a miscarriage and lost the baby yes and his follow-up line to telling jenna that is close call yeah and the first joe i ever saw do it made it a joke he was like close call and he like laughs and claps and so it like eases the audience a little yes. bit but everybody i've seen afterwards I had one, there was one old Joe who said it like he was really sad about it. Yeah. Like he was crying about yep. it and the audience was sat there like, oh my God, Really what? poor, vulnerable old man. Yeah. Then you had another guy who just said it. Yeah. It was just like, close call. And then we moved on and it was like glossed over. And then th- seeing it the other night, like the way that he said it, it was like in between the joke and the glossing over one. Is that... When something bad happens to you and you try to make light of it because yeah, otherwise Yeah, he's just it's... like, oh, close call. But yeah, and it's, it is such an interesting line because I don't think he has any family. You know, all he no, has he is his businesses. Yeah. And you get the sense of why he's so buff, also why he's so invested. Well, he's had three wives at this point. <laughs> he says that. Yeah. But this is where he starts saying to Jenna, and this is where you sense that he's not this horrible boss character. You know that he's a nice person. Mm-hmm. He tells Jenna about the Springfield National Pie Bake Off. Yeah. And he's like, you should enter. You could win. You're good enough. Yeah. And Jenna's like, nah, I wouldn't. You know, it's a waste of time. He goes, oh, it's $20,000. And then she's like, huh, I could do this. And, you know, is inventing pies in her head to try and think about what she'll do. Yeah. But it's nice because he's this boss who actually cares about his workforce, mm-hmm. which seems to be incredibly rare nowadays. He doesn't like Becky. No. <laughs> But then, I mean, Becky is a big personality. Yeah, she says she doesn't need him to like her. Yeah. She just works here. But like, but he really likes Jenna. You you get the sense that you know he wants Jenna to bust his table because he has a conversation with her. Like, if you're the owner of all these different businesses and you walk in mm-hmm. and you've got someone here who actually engages with you and talks with you and jokes back with you, like Jenna's not afraid to say, "Oh, no potatoes this time," and you go, "Did I say potatoes?" I did not recall saying potatoes. If I wanted potatoes, I'd have said potatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, you know, they have this really nice back and forth. So you, you get the sense that he sees her more than just like this employee. Yeah. Even though he'd never say it to anyone. No. <sighs> I love this next scene. 
it's <laughs> Jenna waiting to go on the bus home. Again, really nice little set change. Mm-hmm. We pull the diner completely out so you get to see it's a marvellous backdrop like of just the, the countryside. And Dr. Pometer shows up and they have like this again awkward conversation. Yeah, like, his car wouldn't start, so that's why he's taking the bus and there's a whole thing about like oh, where do you live? And he says, and he's like, oh yeah, it's really nice if you like trees. And then she doesn't laugh. So he's like, which I guess everyone likes trees. Yeah. And it's a really good sequence here again at like building their relationship up because the first scene, you don't feel like there's anything between them. Yeah. And in this scene, this is when you start to get the sense of there's something more for both of them towards each other. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice. We don't just go in and it's like, you know, love at first sad pair. It slowly builds. Yeah. I really like it only takes a taste. I like the bit where he's like, you remind me of a girl I once knew. Gosh, by what now? She's well in middle age. Probably 42 or 43. And she's really offended. She's like, thank you. He's like, oh my God, no. Yeah. Poor Dr. Pomacher. He's the most (laughs) awkward man. He is. Oh, we... (sighs) One of my favourite jokes is like earlier when she meets him for the first time and he... Nurse Norma comes in and says, oh, this woman wants to talk to you about doulas before you, um, yes. before she leaves. And he's like, I have no idea what that is. And then laughs. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm kidding. Then turns around to Jenna and is like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. And it doesn't inspire faith in you, does it? Like, you know, right. he's the man who's going to be your doctor for the next nine months. But yeah, this scene's really great, especially like the bit where it goes really slow. And Jenna's like, just one bag caused all that wondering. Oh, so Chelsea Halfpenny might be my favourite Jenna I've ever seen. She was very, very good. She fancies Dr. Pometer from the second she meets him. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious because after this scene, also, this is the first time I've ever seen it where. When they get to that slow bit, they like lean in towards each other yeah. and they're like, oh, they're going to kiss. Already. And then she like pulls away. And it's the first time I've ever seen a, a Jenna where she's like flirting with him yes. from the no, start. No, this is it. There's there's elements of like other Jennas where it's very slow and you feel like... We're building to that romance. But yeah. also just the fact she doesn't have the trust in herself that she deserves this. Whereas this Jenna is so just like caught up in the moment of it. Which I like. It makes her seem a bit younger, but I kind of like that too. Yeah, she's just like a slave to her emotions here, you know? It's cute. It is really cute and it's really, really endearing. Because again, this is this is a show where <laughs> these are bad people <laughs> making bad choices, you know? Yeah. If you had the mindset of it's black or white... You wouldn't be able to like any, any of, these of these characters. Any of these characters, no. Yeah. And that's what I like about this. Like, And, and yeah, that small moment where it only takes a taste... Once it's built up, it's really nice. Yeah. And yeah, you see that both of them are really, really drawn to each other at this point. And it's great. I mean, he represents somebody who actually is interested in her. Yeah. But also somebody who praises her, which she's not had in a long time. Yeah, we ha- we have a line later where she says, you make me uncomfortable. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be making you uncomfortable. And she's like, you're doing it again. You're being nice to me and I don't like it. But for him, she represents like this nostalgia at maybe a, a time in his life before there was pressure. Yeah. You know, like this woman who used to sneak him treats. Mm-hmm. And there's not a real romance here, but there's just enough to be like, I'm intrigued. And they're both what the other person needs at this point in time. 
which yeah, is great. And it's nice. Yeah. This is where we then really see Elle for the character that he is. She goes home and Elle shows up. She Because she said on the bus, like, I love Thursdays. He goes out drinking and I get the night to myself. So she's relaxing. She's just Yeah, because in... Dr. Pomitor says to her, oh, it's nice that you let your husband do that. And she's like, it's my favourite day of the yeah. week. And he comes in, he's been fired and he's going to start drinking. He's had a rough day and... But yeah, he didn't go out with the boys yeah. because he got fired because the foreman was like, you've shown up late way too many times. And he says to Jenna, come kiss me and take my bad day away. And she's... Re- <laughs> yeah. Well, Yeah. And she rejects it, and it gets to the point that he is going. Trigger warning again. There's a lot of that. This this show contains a lot of him being very abusive towards yes. her. And in a lot of different ways. And then also, you know, cheating and... Um, before we get into, I guess, so trigger warning, maybe skip forward five minutes. Yeah. Do you think it's irresponsible that there's no warning? We've talked about this with 9 to 5, that it was really great that... The gunshot warning. The gunshot warning. Do you think there should be a trigger warning before people go in? Or do you think if you're going to go see a play, it is your responsibility to do research on it first? Because if you've We got talked it... about this a little bit when we covered Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella, because I think that should have had an age rating. And this should certainly it. have an age rating. We'll get to that in a bit anyway. But for things like this... You don't expect it for musicals. Like, this is light-hearted oh, fair. But, you know, but, but, well, if you look at Waitress, it's, it's called a musical comedy, right? Yeah. Based on this and based on the plot description that we, we, we read earlier... Yeah. Sh- if you well, I know ha- you weren't expecting it. When we went to see it for the first time, you were like, oh my God, there's a lot but, more to this. But that's what I, I mean is... Outside of extensive research, which is possibly going to ruin this show for you, should there be more of a trigger warning that says this contains themes of domestic violence? Mm. I'm on their website right now about the show. Let's have a look. Yeah, there's something on there about that. And I, I don't know if that's something you should have or something you shouldn't have. I personally think you should. I yeah, think... Me too. You know, it's a, unfortunately a very real part of life. And this show could do a really good job of empowering people to recognise something wrong with their life and thinking, well, if Jenna can do it, so can I. Yes. And that's what's great about it. But if you go in next to your husband or next to your wife who treats you in this way... You know, what is that going to do to you as an audience member if you weren't expecting, you know, if this is your release and your moment of freedom? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I don't know what the answer is. And I'd be very curious to hear anyone's thoughts on this. Should theatre, should uh, books, should films, TV shows contain these warnings? Netflix is getting very good at it. Mm -hmm. Should this contain more? before you go in or should it be more apparent on the website before you book it yeah because what we see is Al goes to hit jenna and he goes he's holding on to her tightly by the wrist and the only thing that stops is jenna jenna has to say to him that she's pregnant to stop him from hitting her terrified 
And it's really, really interesting because you've not seen this side of the character yet. Mm. And then you see this. And because she is your insert character, you are really scared for her. And Earl stops. Yeah. And he's really over the moon. He's like, I'm going to be a daddy. And it's... it's. He has this whole thing about, like, it's all happening to him. Yes. So than... much is happening, and mostly to me. But it's also the way he he's like, you got to promise me that you will never love this baby more than you love me. And it's really and uncomfortable. She actually says back Ugh. to him, like, you're jealous of the baby. And he's like, no. <laughs> But you, but it happens. But you have to promise. And this is it. I really love his song. It's such a good villain song. Mm, it's interesting. But it's also still at that moment where you're like, they haven't necessarily decided the tone they want with Elle. Like, do they want us to laugh at him? Is he this comic for, or is he more sinister? Because he's like, um, what was that song, baby? Where the sun don't shine? Nah, that can't be it. But it's the bit where he's like at the end, and he grabs her around the neck and around the waist, and he's like, now promise me till the sun don't shine and it is really really sinister and obviously jenna agrees that she'll never love the baby more than him yeah and he goes off to bed and you just watch jenna like sink into the settee and just lost just pit of despair well no he doesn't go off to bed he picks her up oh he does doesn't he because there's like implications of that too yeah. because like he before she told him that he was pressuring her for sex yeah and then he picks her up and carries her into the bedroom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not great. Not great. No. He's the worst. He is the worst. He gets worse every time I see the show and every time I watch it because I know what he's like. And then like there's something else that I'll notice. And I'm like, Whoa. we're going to have a very, very, and we've had this conversation many a time, me and you, but we're going to have a very, very interesting conversation at the end when it comes to who do you want to play? Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> Elle is such an interesting character to play. But he we'll... must be because it's... It's hard to yeah. get people to hate you as much as exactly. we hate that character. Yeah. And especially and when you also have comedy lines to mm-hmm. to get across and to make the audience laugh at. Yeah. You but know, we'll get there like, in a moment. It's interesting. Anyway. It is very interesting. In a moment. What this... <laughs> in an hour. What this play does really, really well, I think, is you can have a scene that's dark and uncomfortable but then go in something a lot more light-hearted yeah so we have at the diner dawn's got a five minute date scheduled mm. with ogie and she asks people to get her ready for it and she asks jenna if she'll make him a pie to take to this date and yeah. they're all backstage and it's this really cute moment between our three i guess leads yeah and we have a soft place to land. They're all thinking about what they want out of life. And, you know, you've got like, oh, it's so sweet. Dawn says to Becky and, and Jenna, will you make me look pretty? Which really, Evelyn Hoskins is it's a gorgeous. Babe. Yeah. Like, and already looks gorgeous as it is. Like with like the red glasses and with the hair up in a scrunchie. Now, she also looks really great without the glasses and the hair down. Mm-hmm. But it's so sad because I think Dawn looks gorgeous as she's presented anyway. Yeah. And it, it's so sad that she has this low opinion of herself. And maybe, you know, it's the self-esteem that's been putting her off dating mm-hmm. because she doesn't value herself. But it's a really nice moment as they all sing and they get her looking ready. They do her makeup. Jenna makes her... Is it a meet your dream chocolate cream pie? I think so. 
What I love is that all the names of pies, and I wish I'd written down as we were watching them. There's a little blackboard in the diner that has all the pie names on it throughout the play. It's great, but it's something, I think it's like meet your dream chocolate cream pie as she makes it. Um, Lulu's strawberry dream pie, oh, red, white, and blueberry pie, couch potato pie, lost shepherd's pie, big guy strawberry pie, deep dish, deep dish. blueberry bacon pie. Yeah. Berry the bull pie, <laughs> Mar marshmallow mermaid pie, pineapple upside down pie, a little wild wild berry pie, got my vote rhubarb compote pie, sweet victory pie, and polka dot peach pie. Okay. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of great pie names, <laughs> and they all do work very very well within the context of things. Mm -hmm. In the dark, dark chocolate pie. <laughs> pineapple upside down pie. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited to talk about this act too. <laughs> She tells Becky and Dawn during this that she's going to do the pie bake off and she's going to use the money to leave out and they are like good mm. and we'll be here for and she's like I'm going to get out of this town and they're like but you don't have to leave this town don't leave us and she goes no I'm gonna I'm gonna leave and they talk about going to Paris or a beautiful place called World King yeah <laughs> which I really like and Jenna starts hiding her tips from Al she hides them in the sofa and wherever she can which yes. we'll get back to later. Watch this space. We go back to the pie shop the next day. I'm really, really excited to talk about this new character. Mm -hmm. Because we see a young man sat that we've never seen before. We see Dawn really uncomfortable and hiding behind. Oh and it's Ogie and he's desperate to Becky. You know, I don't want you. I want her. Yeah. George Crawford is it's amazing brilliant as ogie one of my favorite ogies absolutely we were very very lucky that after the show uh we could talk with another theater blogger uh, mickey joe and we talked about ogie's character and one of the things i really feel with ogie that is so important what he's doing here is he is stalking dawn and because our first impression of this character is that Dawn is uncomfortable. Yeah. It puts you off him. The first time I saw this, I didn't like him. Yeah, because he was creepy. Because it's creepy. He's gone to her place of work. She's clearly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Alarm bells are ringing. Yeah. You have to do a lot as Ogie to make sure that the audience know... That the... you're, like, completely harmless. Yes. Zero, you're this like... little pixie... Elf. <laughs> yeah. That, that is elf. just just in love with her. And, and in the same way as Dawn is completely overcome with these emotions that you've never had before. The last time we saw it, the actor playing Ogie did a really good job. Absolutely fantastic job. I think it was Joel Montague. Mm-hmm. The one issue I had with his casting was he looked, and I know it sounds awful, he looked older than Ed. He looked a lot older than Dawn, and we were like, oh, it's a little bit It's a, It makes weird it more uncomfortable. Yeah, because it makes it more uncomfortable, because this is your first impression of this character. Yeah. And you've got to do such a good job with Ogie to make sure that people can overcome that barrier and be like, oh, he's harmless, he's just in love. And Ogie does a really good job here. Like, George Crawford is great because he's so endearing and clearly just overcome mm -hmm. with this emotion. And it's great. And, you know, Dawn tells him to leave her alone. And he's like, no, but we're meant to be together. And he goes into one of my other favourite songs that we sing a lot. 
Yeah. Is never ever getting rid of me. Yep. <laughs> I love this song and it's been in my head ever since. It's so funny. He does this great little dance where he's jumping up and like little river dance, like where his legs are... He's a, they say beforehand that Ogie is a competitive clog dancer. Yes. Which I love. But he does... He... I'm sure there's a name for it. It's a ballet move. You yes. like flick your feet in front of each other while you're in the air. We've not yet recorded our interval song. I have no idea what we're going to sing. There's a part of me wants it to be this, but this song is so difficult because it's so quick. It's like, don't, I will never let you let me leave. I promise I'm not lying. Yeah. You've got to have the stamina to do this one. And when you throw in the fact that you're doing these moves as well and you're all mm. over the place, you're doing some magic tricks. There's a great bit but where... Hilariously, at the end, he does Nietzsche's inhaler. Yeah. And we get a nice little reprise at the end where he goes into a second one. But and I throws re- the bouquet to her, yeah. I really like the bit where he's like, just go already. I'm not done. Pie for everyone. Yeah. I grew up an only child in and the And then he joined, makes everybody else join in with this this story. It's that a he's really, really through. nice moment. And Dawn's like, oh, just, just go. But then he learns, because she agrees to another date if he'll go. Mm. But then she learns that he's just as big a revolutionary war dork as she is. And you see the moment oh, where yeah, she's like, the... I'm in love with him. And it's really nice because it ends the scene being like, okay, it's not creepy. They like, are perfect for each other. And the Dawn... Double Dharma. Yeah. Well, no, but it is. Dawn is only put off because she's feeling things for a man she's never felt before. Sure. You know, like she's doing this. She's, she's looking for any reason to not be in love with him mm-hmm. because she's scared of like falling in love. Yeah. And yes, it's really, really fun. And as he leaves, he has a dun, 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 like the little military march off. And everyone's just like, wow, what was that? Yeah. And yeah, Dawn is in love with him. And then Jenna calls Dr. Pometer. She says there's been some light bleeding. And he says, that's fine. I'll see you tomorrow at Mm 7am. And this is where you get that nice moment where Cal is like, whilst I got you on the phone, Doc. Yeah. (laughs) She goes at 7am. She's like, I didn't know you were open at 7am to start with. So she gets there. She brings some pocket pies. Yep. And... She's sitting there, she gives him the pies, and he's, like, eating them and saying, oh, this is so great, and you've stopped bleeding now. Okay, cool, that's fine, that's perfectly normal in early pregnancy. (laughs) And she's like, what? And she's just sat there for a minute where she's like, what is happening? Why have I come here? What is is even going on? And then she starts, like, shouting at him. Yeah, and he's like... What time does this place even open? He's like, 8 o'clock. She's like, you came in here an hour early. Well, it's not. It's 8.30. So it's even... You know what I mean? Like, that extra half an hour makes a difference. Mm -hmm. She's got up early. She's got the bus across. And coming all this early for what? For him? And she's like, I don't think I want you to be my doctor anymore. You make me feel uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And then the... (laughs) The whole thing about, like, he's too nice to her. It makes her uncomfortable. So she storms out. Yeah. And she comes back to get a purse. Yeah. And they kiss. And they're just like... Oh, no, before that, we have the line where she goes to leave and he puts his hand on the door and is like, I want to see you. I want to talk to you. I want to see you somewhere outside of here. Can we get coffee sometime? She's like, no, I can't have coffee. It's on the bad foods list you gave me. What kind of doctor are you? And he's just like, oh, my God. Like, they're both so awkward. And I love but it. But it's great. Anyway, and- yeah, she comes back and she kisses him. And the entire audience that we were in, because we love an English audience, all went, ooh. And when we get another amazing song, where is it? Bad Idea. I love Bad yeah. Idea. And it's, it's like the bit where it's like... This is such a good end of Act 1 song. Oh, it is, because you got the, you got a wife, 
you got a husband, you're my doctor, you got a baby coming. The original line was, your damn baby's coming. Yeah, your damn baby's but I, coming. I, I love that moment where they were like, let's just keep kissing till we come to. There's a really interesting line in the middle of this song where they both sing, I know what's right for me. Um, Jenna says, no, Dr. Pometer says, it's the only thing I've ever done. He's always done the right thing. Yeah. And Jenna's line is, it's the only thing I've never done. Yeah. She's never done what's right for her. She's always done what's right for everybody else. So they're both having this like selfish moment where Dr. Pometer's like, I'm finally going to do something that I... I want to do. I shouldn't do. Yeah. But that I want to do. And Jenna's finally doing something for herself because it feels right. And you're yeah. like, oh, I'm so into it. And it <laughs> is. Great. And just the song is so beautiful and so triumphant. But it's the... such a nice way of getting us to be okay with the fact that both of these people are cheating on their significant others. Yeah. Because you got the dun, 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 dun. You have the clapping, which is great. Idea. Yeah. And it's just such a lovely moment. And obviously, you got like it ends with her like on top of him. And the curtains come down. Him on top of her. Yeah. Mm. And it's just, you've got the curtains come down and that's it. End of act one. Dush. Yeah. Big round of End. applause. Yeah. Great. And it's really fun because as we're walking back, we see a few of our kids who are just like, oh God, what are we in for? We start laughing because we know what act he's going to bring. Yeah, well, so there was a little girl in the row in front of us who was maybe 12 or 13. She yeah. was with her parents. They obviously just thought this was going to be a good, fun musical. And... At all of the kissing in this song, she was like making gross faces, you know, like, oh, this is so disgusting. I'm sat next to my mom and these people are kissing, which hilarious, mostly because we're sat there like, oh, my God, we know what you're about to watch happening. So funny. So I always forget in my mind is is like, you know, Mandela effect. I you think act two opens with the reprise. The bad idea reprise. But obviously I can't because of the joke at the end of bad idea reprise. We have to have... Another bit of knowledge first before we go into it. Yes. So we open up. And this, I'll say, is the one bit of bad staging in this. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing I'll say, where I was sat, I couldn't see the reveal of Cow and Becky. Because of the push on pie thing. Yeah. That is a shame. And it's a a shame because it's a huge moment. And I'm sure... They did not use that. They did. Um, Jenna puts pies in it. But during this song? During, during I that, wish yeah. it'd come on after that. I don't think you needed happened. it on at this point because yeah. it's been on the other side of the stage usually. Well, exactly. But it's the one bit of questionable staging and blocking in this performance is Jenna walks in and she catches Becky and Cal kissing. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, what? And you could see that uh, even people in front of me, you could see Crane in the head or moving slightly to their uh, right to try and see what was going on. Yeah. And Jenna going on, how can you cheat on your husband? And Becky is obviously, don't judge me, don't shame me, because I know that you're doing the exact same thing. And what she's doing is a good thing, because it's... Something for her. Yeah, because again, she loves her husband, and she's not going to leave her husband, but she needs to feel sexy. She needs to feel wanted, she needs to feel desired. Yeah, Which she isn't getting... Yeah, and they talk about how they suspect that Cal's wife might be a lesbian. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm... And we have, we have, I'm not keen on that joke. Yeah, I was going to say. But I like that it's then followed by Jenna being like, well, why doesn't he leave her then? And she, and Becky says, well, he loves her. You wouldn't, who would leave their wife just because you think she might be gay? Like, which I like. I like that sentiment. That's nice. 
Yeah, but I it's, under- it's not my favorite. Joke no, this is the thing: is I don't I'm not a big fan of that joke. But there's an element of you kind of want to make Cal not a bad person as well. You're trying to make sure that all these yeah, characters... Yeah, all of these characters could come across as terrible people and yes. so we need ways for it to be okay. Yeah, and, and obviously with Becky Youngsan, she's obviously got a husband who's got a, a serious illness and as a result of that, obviously is not getting that sexual relationship she needs. Mm-hmm. With Cal, because we see so little of him, I think it's important that he doesn't come across as like a Me Too boss, that he's roped Becky into something, that this he has to come across like he's desperate or passionate as well and it's again it's a nice little factor that for him he's like he loves his wife yeah there's something wrong now if the line was well his wife cheats so why shouldn't he not really you wouldn't okay. be as into it but yeah they have the they say that like they haven't slept together in like 15 years yeah. and jenna's like that's normal which a lot of our audience laughed at yeah. which i thought was really funny i i guess this is the thing i it's a bad joke but at least it's not like they then oh you know yeah. They're not necessarily mean about it. It's just like, well, we accept that. She mm. probably is. And she goes into I Didn't Plan It, which is, again, such a brilliant... And this is a really, like, interesting start to Act 2 song because it's not, like, upbeat. You've started on a really funny moment mm. and you've shown, like, a slight argument and, a you know, a little bit of a, oh, there's, there's clearly things aren't as perfect here as we thought. Yeah. But you have this real powerhouse of a song to get us back in. And just like you're invested because it is amazing. Yeah. And Sandra Marvin does an amazing job with this. Like her voice is just powerful. And there's so much soul to it that you're like, okay, you are not a bad character for doing this. We understand why you're doing this. Yeah. We go back to Dr. Pometer's office. It's been a month after their kiss. And And he's like, you can't go away for that long again. And she's like, "Mm." but I really like it that it's not usually in this sort of situation. It's the woman who's chasing the man. You know, like the man goes away for a month and the woman's like, oh, you can't leave me for a month again. Most forms of media where you see this. That's sexist. No, but it it is. In most forms of media when you see this. Yeah, and it's sexist. Yeah. So I really like this, that it's Pometer who's like, please don't leave me alone from because he's a worse person than she is yeah but it's it's, that's what i mean is it's almost subliminally saying he is worse he's exploiting his position he's not doing it in a malicious way but he's the worst person here and i liked that okay just i I like the fact that we're not painting jenna as this villain jenna's the bad person for cheating on her husband Right, okay. You know what I mean? Dr. Pometer is objectively a worse person. Like, we get a whole thing later on. and We meet his wife at the end. But we get a whole thing later on where it's like, are you happy with your wife? And he doesn't even go to answer. And Jenna's like, actually, no, I changed my mind. I don't want to know. And you're like, no, because he doesn't have an answer to that. He is happy with his wife. He has no reason for cheating with you. Exactly. Not that there's ever a good reason to cheat, obviously. What I like about this moment is you also have the Nurse Norma interludes where Nurse Norma's coming in and obviously throwing her two cents in. Well, there's a great bit where it's like, I'd like to see you more frequently. I want to see you next week. Are we on the same page? And she's and in Jenna like, says, yes, we're on the same page. And Nurse Norma's like, yeah, we're all on the same page. Yeah, no, because they... I don't think I've ever seen this before. Nurse Norma walks in on them kissing. Yeah. Normally no, they get apart quicker. That's no that that exactly it. I was thinking that when we watched it. She walked in and either her cue was she 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 came in too early. They're still kissing and she's watching them. 
Yeah, no, he's supposed to like fall off the table trying to get away, but she always knows from this point she knew, knows. But, that but this is what's different than compared to other versions we've seen. Nurse Norma usually comes in and he's already apart, and you've got like reasonable belief that she's seen it, but you don't have concrete evidence. This version, she saw it. I'm okay with that. I I like, I like that. It. I like that, and the fact that they're just then just being like, yeah, no, nothing's happening. And Nurse Norma's like, yeah, of course, nothing's mm-hmm. happening. We're all fine. You have all these nice moments. So this is where we get bad idea reprieves and lots and lots of awkward sex. It's not awkward. It is if you've gone with your parents. It is if you're 12 and you've gone with your parents. This poor little girl in front of us. So, oh my God, it was so funny. She was just sat there with this, like, she looked up at her mum and, like, grimaced and was like, oh, my God. And her mum was just sat there, like, oh, I don't know what to say. We're obviously going to gloss over some of the finer details here as a PG podcast. But... Because we're doing so well with that so far. <laughs> so you have three different interludes. You've got one moment where she t- puts him down, puts his arms up on the stirrups, and then she's on top of him. Mm-hmm. And then you have another moment where you've got the pineapple upside down pie. Now, what I like here... The hormones are rising beautifully. <laughs> what, I, well, what I like here is that we are showing a man going down on a woman, mm-hmm. which convention in a lot of culture doesn't happen. Men don't do that. Weak. Weak men don't do that. That's what I mean. Like, even to the point that people are like, I swear DC did a thing like Batman wouldn't do that. And everyone's like, please, have you seen Catwoman? Of course Batman does that. I'm going to Google that. <laughs> it's so interesting. But I really like the fact that like he, he eats some of the pineapple upside down pie and then indulges in Jenna and says, like, your hormone levels are rising beautifully. And it's such a funny moment. It's played for laughs, obviously. It's like, oh, my days. I wasn't expecting to see this. But you don't see that depicted if it was usually. It is usually that it would be Jenna on Dr. Pometer. What? <laughs> It's very interesting. I just send it to an alternate universe now. Sorry. <laughs> the creators of the Harley Quinn animated series originally had a joke about how Batman goes down on Catwoman, and then they got told by the creators of Batman to get rid of it because heroes don't do that. That's a lie. We know Captain America's. <laughs> Captain America is the number one. <laughs> so yeah, this this is what's really really it's great insane. about I this moment. The Iron Man wouldn't. He's like selfish, right? As a character, and Doctor Strange definitely doesn't. But it's really nice here. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we see, we, but we are we're seeing like positive sexuality on stage. Yes. And then we get in the dark, dark chocolate pie, and the lights go off. And they're like. They have to... I love this. This is the first time I've ever sort of been able to see them in the dark as yeah. well because all the lights go off on stage and Jen and Dr. Pometer have to like scramble to be lying down in front of the like... The little hospital bed thing. I was going to call it a pommel horse. It's not a pommel <laughs> horse. Yeah, the gyny bed thing. And so they're lying on the floor with Dr. Pometer on top of Jenna and they both have to lie flat so that Nurse Norma's not going to see them. Because she walks in and sees the pie on yes. the table. And she's eating the pie as they're there. And it's really, really funny because she just walks off. And, and she great. takes it and she leaves. And she's like looking around through the door to check that nobody's there. And she closes the door yeah. and runs away. And you just got to take this bad idea. And it's great. And then it gets better. Because in yes. the centre of the stage, we have... In the centre of the stage, we have Jenna and Dr. Pometer on the dining Sa- bed. Yep, on, the, on stage right. You have the diner counter... With, with Cal and Becky, and Becky's like slapping Cal with on a, the butt with a fish fry, a fish skillet. What do you call it? Oh, 
It's the thing we it's use. It's the thing that SpongeBob uses to flip his burgers. Yeah, a flipper. <laughs> I think it's called a, a fish. A spatula. It's called a fish something. It's a spatula. No, I'm going to find out. It's not a spatula. It's a spatula. It's absolutely a spatula. But it's really, really great because, again, like everyone's laughing. Like, oh, my God, shocked. And then the pièce de résistance in in his wheeled dawn, mm-hmm. in her full revolutionary gear, and she is sewing a flag. Yes. It's called a fish spatula. Okay. So dawn is... Dawn She's is, knitting a pride flag, which we like. It was very, very cool. Lovely yep. addition, because that's the first time I've seen that. And it's an up-to-date pride flag as well no it wasn't was it's it a it's the american flag but instead of where all of the, the stripes go it was pride stripes cool and then out from under her dress comes ogie yeah <laughs> and again clearly our heroes do indulge in a little bit extra yeah and it's great because they all finish this song everyone's laughing all the children are looking awkwardly at the floor and as everyone leaves and then dawn is straddling ogie mm-hmm as he then shouts, the British are coming, the British are coming, as he's Great. in full revolutionary gear as well. Mm-hmm. Love this moment. We talked about this with Evie on our interview episode, but yeah. George Crawford tweeted out that his seven-year-old sister was coming to watch the show and got to watch him have sex. And apparently he did go a little bit lighter on stage than he he's usually would. He's a bit more would. chill about it than normal. Yeah. But it's such a great moment. It's one of my favourite moments. Mm-hmm. At the diner, Joe can tell that Jenna's having an affair, lectures... How and why it's not a good idea. Via her uh, um, horoscope. horoscope. It's one of my favourite Aquarius, even if you've got a no good, horrible husband, you shouldn't be having no affair because it is beneath you and might make you look like a common hussy. And she's like, Joe. (laughs) How did you know? And she's like, your lipstick. Yeah. (laughs) I love that moment. And you then see this other side of Dawn where she's talking about how passionate a lover Ogie is. And she's so, like, completely different. She's far more open and fluid with her movements here. And you just like, oh, bless her. Mm-hmm. And pew, 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 pew. yeah, one of my favorite <laughs> lines. Do you know what I love about Waitress? Is like you're just watching these women talk about their sex lives, and it's so like the way that normal women do, yeah, yeah. But like it's it's so in media, like women don't do this, you know, it's it's positive sexuality, mm-hmm. and I really love it. I yeah. think it's so important. And yeah, the pew, 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 and it goes That's on cow, really and funny. cow's like, cow's like. No, poor Cal. Cal does not want to be involved in any of this. Yes. I love it. This is the moment where Jenna goes and is seen by Nurse Norma, who's like, I'm going to look at your coochie today. Yes, because Dr. Pometer has had to fly back to wherever he's originally from. I think Connecticut. Yeah, to a funeral with his wife. Yeah. And Jenna has a moment where she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot he had a wife. Because, yeah. like, we just weren't talking about it. It's the first moment, other than Bad Idea, that's explicitly said that sometimes in musical theatre songs, because, like, the levels, you'd be forgiven for missing out on things. But it's one of those... Yeah, this is the first time it's said, like, oh, he's with his wife. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. And this is the first point where, you know, she listens to her baby's heartbeat for the first time. She didn't want to. No. And then you have like the little reprieve. This is terrible doctoral practice. Not just for the cheating on your wife and having an affair with a a customer, isn't the word I want. A client. A a, a patient. Patient. Um, But like it it very explicitly says on her notes to not do things like this. Yes. Because she doesn't, she's not excited about having a baby. She doesn't want to, she doesn't feel involved or attached to the baby at all, which is very normal, by the way. Yeah. But she puts, she's holding the, 
stethoscope to her tummy and then she just puts the earbuds in her and yeah. so you can hear the heartbeat and hear the she like bubble. rips it out yeah. of her ears and throws it which you know i just think i don't know don't people in america sue for stuff like that you could do that's probably a stereotype that i shouldn't perpetuate but i i think it could put you at risk couldn't it as a practice of like i told you i don't want to do this yeah it could definitely could i like the bit that nurse norma's just so excited by the pie but maybe she's just like in a sugar daze. That's why she makes a mistake. She also says something about Genesis, something about, oh, but I like, I really like Dr. Pometer. And because Nurse Norma's saying to her, oh, how are you getting on with him? Do you think he's a good doctor? And Jenna's like, yeah, yeah, he's lovely. And she's like, oh, yeah, he has such a nice bedside manner, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> I love that line. And Jenna's just like, okay. We go back to work and she's making more pies, and some time has passed. And then, I think it's another month. Yeah, and then Dr. Pomer. Well, they're saying that she's very pregnant suddenly. So this is going to be months and months that we're like getting through. I don't think it's months. Show. I don't think she's fully pregnant at this point. She hasn't got full bump yet. It's... She's still in her weight. No, diner. she's on like a medium bump. She's yeah. got a bump. But she's still in her diner costume. She doesn't wear her diner costume oh, when she's full bump. Yeah. yeah. But he shows up at work. Uh... We've got like one scene until she can't wear the diner costume anymore. Yeah, she wears so, like, it for so long. Are happening. And yeah, this is the moment where they're like, they start to almost have like a serious conversation about it. And Jenna's like, we can't keep doing this. You have a wife. I can't live with myself if we keep seeing each other. And this is the thing is, again, it makes Pomato a bit more of a villain. Just not in a real way. He's well, what get, she needs, but. We get a lot of stuff in this scene where we learn more about his life. Because up till now, we really don't know that much about him. He's a doctor. He's yeah. married. But we and he's that sexy. He came here because his wife has to do her residency somewhere and she's doing it in the local hospital. Yeah. Why? But okay, you know, whatever. She's doing her residency there, so he had to get a job here as well. And you can understand there's an element of disconnect because he's uprooted his life. For her, yeah. For her. And when you do a residency, you're like never at home. Yeah, and this is it. He's probably lost everyone. He probably... Not that I'm encouraging cheating. It's nice that you can almost... you can. He's you, just as lonely as Jenna is. Yes, and you can empathise with all of these characters for their affairs. Like, with all of them, you can be like, I understand, I don't approve, but I understand. Yeah, and that's the thing. You have to... With the, all these characters, you can understand them as human beings rather than just as, like, characters who are like, oh, how dare you cheat? Because we never see the other side of it. Yeah. If we got to see his wife for the whole of this, like his wife coming home and making an effort with him and like... It would put us off him. We only hear his side of the story. Because we do have a thing later where Jenna says to him, like, your wife looks at you with so much love and so much trust. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Because like... Hmm. But yeah, we learned he came here because of her, that they are in love and that he is happy with his wife. Like, because Jenna says to him, are you happy with her? And then he's like, oh, no, I don't want to know. But he goes to answer yeah, her. Don't, don't, like, answer, don't answer that. <laughs> and this is a really nice moment. You know, she's like, I, we shouldn't keep doing this. But he he presents her with that golden pie dish with her name engraved. She's like, no one's ever given me something so nice. Mm. And he asks her to teach him how to make a pie. And they do. They make lonely Chicago pie. And we have You Matter to Me at this moment. Yeah. And it's a, oh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking of this song. Because you do genuinely feel like Pometer's in love with her. Yeah, it's really sad. Because you genuinely feel that, like, I, I am in love with you and I am in love with my wife, but mm -hmm. I don't, I've never felt this way before. And it's it's horrible because I want 
I want to be Hannah Montana and have the best of both worlds. But this song is so raw and powerful and just the whole thing. And like, you see all these different things in the background with her mum. And it's just a really lovely moment. Yeah. And you've got the ensemble lifting them and bringing them together as well, I think. Oh no, that's happened when she's baking a pie for him. Pretty bad idea. And she's like, I'm kind of into him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you have some really nice interplay between the pair of them. And, you know, we didn't get to see Matt Willis do the role. But I genuinely think that Nathaniel Landsgroner did such a good job as Pometer. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of the best Pometers I've seen. I'd love to see what Matt Willis was like as Pometer. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Because obviously he's on tour. I'm really glad we had such a great understudy. Mm-hmm. You know, not that there's ever a bad understudy. But you could see him doing Pometer full time and doing a looming good job of it. Yeah. We go to Ogie and Dawn's wedding. Yeah. I don't know how much time has passed at this point. I don't care. You know, obviously it's still within nine months because uh, Jenna is now very, very pregnant. Yeah. And we have this brilliant moment where he's like, I feel something. I I believe I'm coming up with a poem. And, <laughs> and Dawn's like, oh my God, he's doing it. Spontaneous wedding poetry. He shushes the vicar, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, he shushes her a couple of times to start his wedding poetry. And then we get Love You Like a Table, which, which is, is such so, a good song. I love this. But you also, because it's quite nice, because this is the first time that you know, when he sings that Dawn reciprocates. Mm -hmm. So you've got the, I love you too. And I wanted to try and surprise you. Yeah. She tried to come up with wedding poetry for him and she didn't. (laughs) She's got like 29 drafts of wedding vows. It didn't rhyme. So 30 was a drum line and you have everyone do it. It's such a. And Cal puts his little, the little dinger out and she dings it at the end. And he does his like drumming. Yeah. It's really cute. But it's, this song is, is so nice. It's so upbeat. They're so happy. And then it's followed by Jenna and Cal talking and saying they have no idea what a ride that they're in for. Yeah. Which is sad it because is. Jenna and Cal both have loveless marriages. Yeah. Which is... Loveless and sexist marriages. Yeah. And it's tragic for both of them. But it's so nice. And what I really like, I don't know if you noticed this, all of the... Uh, waitress band at this point had mm. like cowboy hats on for ogie for the wedding they're not cowboy hats they're um civil war yeah the, the, thingy hats yeah they yeah. had those tricorns really, yeah, yeah really really nice and it's such a great little number and then again because this show does such a good job at going from sad to happy to sad to oof. so you've had you mad to me which is a really powerful sad song but also like op- full of optimism you then go to this really great upbeat happy triumphant number you then have this... Yeah, we got to go down from here, though. This is the thing. So we put in the I love you like a table because we're like, yay, celebration. I know you're going to be sad for well, half an but hour. But sad, but not in a... So this first song isn't quite there. It's powerful. And it's worse when you know what's going to come at the end. Yeah, because the thing, if you don't know anything about old Joe as a character, you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. This is fine. a really sweet song. because This, is, this he... is the old man song, whatever. But in a way that's like, Considering how gruff he is, he's finally like open and be like, "You're gonna do this, and I'm proud of you, and you're gonna you're gonna rock this." Yeah. 
And they dance together at the wedding as they sing, take it from an old man. And this is the point I start sobbing. Yeah. And and Because you know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I cry a little bit during You Matter to Me. I think I've started to get you with my, like, I, I can't let anything bad happen to old people characters in, yeah. in shows. Before Take It From An Old Man happens, they're talking. He's like, you're all ready for the pan next week. And because that's how close we are. They're, they're on the verge of the, the Bake Off. But yeah, she's supposed to go to the pie contest the, the next week. And he's funnily enough, irregardless of whether or not she got to go, she was about to give birth anyway. So, but they're saying that's probably stress. You have this moment where he's talking about this is the power you should have, this is the power that will put those old biddies to shame. And she says about how she'll make one special for him. And he says, No, you probably shouldn't. My doctor tells me not to. I'm actually going in for a procedure next week to have some of my liver taken out. And he's like, It'll be fine, don't worry. And it's just like, Oh, god. And you get taken from an old man. It's basically like live the most you can and have no regrets because take it from an old man. You don't want to get to my age and regret a thing. Is that how what you take from that song? Yes. That's interesting. Why? What do you take from that song? That she lacks the strength to actually go out and get what she wants. And that's all Joe's ever done is go out and get what he wants. So he's like, here's my strength. You can have it now because I'm dying. Yes. <laughs> so. but th- th- there's that element as well as when you lack the strength of your own. But there is also an element of don't spend your days thinking coulda, woulda, shoulda. Go out and seize the day. Take it from an old man. Ugh, I don't like that sentiment. Mm, fair enough. I, I love this song, though. It really is like a just a powerful song. Earl shows up to ruin everything. <sighs> but, and and it's not like in the same way where he's coming in the past. Like yeah, it's... this is immediately, everybody suddenly gets how dangerous he is because you have Becky's like, don't leave. And, and Jenna's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Because she doesn't want Earl to cause a problem for anybody else. But old and then Joe Dawn's squares like, up to him as well. Yeah. And he's like, get out of my face, old man. I you feel know? like somebody's going to tell you off with this accent. I feel like Elena's going to tell you off with this accent. <laughs> I'm doing my best, people, you know. It's terrible. Shh. <laughs> Do you like my accent? If you listen to this episode and you like my accent, let me know so I can shove it in Drew's face. <laughs> she can have some some of Jenna's humble pie. It's so bad. It's so Jenna's bad. humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please Sorry. do please do let us know what you think of my accent and how offended you are on a scale of one to ten but yeah in comes out and drags her off and he's like do you think i'm an idiot and it's like <laughs> oh and, yeah he's right and it's scary i always wonder i would love to see i would love and not love to see a what it looked like him finding all of this money because yeah. he says the line where he's like this in the couch cushions it's like all around the down house. the back of the sofa on shelves in books it's everywhere in the house he must have ripped their house apart and to find this stuff i understand the logistics that showing that and then getting the scene set for the next is impossible it would be really interesting. it would be interesting just to see how did he find it what was he doing like what was he doing to find he it clean this house no he must have just dropped something down the edge of the sofa and reached for it and yeah. pulled out with some money that's what Which i mean you can imagine he pulls some money out, like maybe it's like a $20 bill. And then he's like, oh, wow, I found some money. 
puts his hand back down the side of the couch and suddenly it's a wad of yeah. money. And I'd love to see how he does it because it, it, the one thing is like, how has he found it? He's, you know, like he's probably started in the kitchen trying to find some beer or something because he's run out and he finds it by mistake. And then he's like, like in the flower and stuff. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, why is there so much? This? And then he goes on a rampage through the house. Yeah. But yeah, she, you know, it's scary because he's like, explain it. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, he loses it because he's like, you better not be leaving me because you're out that I have. And he smashes his guitar like he, throws on the floor he goes i don't even care this is all i have and i don't care without you and he stamps on it you're like oh my god he's a psychopath but there's an element of because he's like he, he's on his knees hugging her stomach going i can't lose you i can't lose you i'm nothing without you. yeah but and... this is this is all manipulation oh it he, is he doesn't mean any of this no but this is no but this is what's interesting is playing the character you have to commit to the fact that you believe this or I don't think or he does. you're committing to this idea of I'm going to hurt this person. I'm yeah, going to do. that's exactly that's how it comes There's across. so many different ways you could play out. Because he, think... he says to her that if he, if she left him, he would die, basically. Yes. He basically... He would unalive himself. Yes. And the impact of that, I've, I've never had an audience like the one at Woking where the impact of that was left hanging for a second and you heard the audience do like a hiss because like so many people were like, what? And then, but the thing is with this show as well, there's so much silence a bit. It's like this, you're just watching and you're just like... Yeah, nobody's breathing because you're all like, oh my God, if we're really quiet, maybe nothing bad will happen. Yeah, it's complete contrast when we saw Priscilla. You know, the audience are reacting the way they should. Yes. And so she is trying to tell him she's she's thinking about telling him what the money was actually for and then she commits to saying that she was saving it for the baby to buy a crib because apparently cribs are really expensive so i'm told buying a nice one yeah and, and this is the thing though like she's she's about and to, some toys and yeah. nice things for the baby you know she's about to burst yeah. you know she's right on the verge of giving birth why have they not got this stuff already you don't need a crib when the baby's born. Mm. Also, there's different superstitions for different people. Like some people believe that if you buy things before the baby's born, that something will happen to yeah, the baby. Yeah, but there's we're a... not told any of that. No. She's not bought anything because she's in denial. Yeah, and there's an element. I mean, I get that. There's a part of me that's like, well, you want to have the stuff. You think Earl's gonna go out and buy stuff? No, the baby. exactly. So but... Jen is not because she's in denial yeah, about it. Yeah, but there's an element of you want to have stuff there ready because as a new parent, especially with Earl. He's not going to go home and put together a crib. It should be ready so that Jenna can come home and put the baby in the crib. You're not meant to, though. From what I've seen. I don't know. I'm not a parent. <laughs> I'll, do, either, I'll read the baby books when it's time. Yeah. But, yeah. And, I'm and sure he they just, all say completely different the things. The worst bit is as he leaves, he's still got the water cash and he just puts it in his back pocket. And you know full well that he's going to go and spend it. And Jenna is just like... Well, the thing is, they do use it. To buy a crib. Because she says, she writes her dear baby story here. This is where we learn that the whole show's in hindsight. Yeah. Um, she says... Oh, is it? I've never taken that. Yeah, she says this section... This is called Dear Baby. It's the prelude to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, Dear Baby, if you ever want to know the story of how we bought your crib, this is it. I just thought it was in the moment. I've always taken it to be that this is in the moment. Oh, I always got the, the Dear Baby sections are like... In hindsight, she's written it all down and she's just telling us this story. Anyway, she says in this bit that if 
you ever want to hear the story of how we bought your crib, this is it. So but, they did go and get her a crib. But no, but this is, I've always taken it to be that in this moment, she's so angry and the only person she has to take it out on is the baby. And it's so sad that what she writes her dear baby letter out of is a moment of vindictiveness where she's like, you cost me my dream because we had to lie. This is how we bought your crib. No, I don't think she's ever blaming the baby. No, I, I think it's her moment of weakness where she's like, I don't know. It's I, I never read into it that it's in hindsight. I think it's her processing things. Okay. But yeah, she's just shell shocked, and she sits on the sofa as she does this, and then she steps forward. And we knew that Chelsea Halfpenny would nail this because we saw it on the oh, the national the lottery, national lottery night of musicals thing. She does. She used to be mine. It's just powerful, and it is just her on stage. Like you clear all the set, and you just have her on stage. Yeah, everything starts to disappear, and it's just her. And like the audience lost their minds at this moment, so good. Yeah, it's 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 the big moment of waitress. Mm -hmm. Like it's the big emotional thing, and this is where she does have her "I Want" song, mm -hmm. and it's just such a powerful song. And like when we saw Sarah Bareilles do it again, like you just like, where did this song come from? Like this comes from a real place of turmoil. Yeah, and it's just perfect. Mm. And it's perfectly placed. And again, I'm sobbing at this point. Because yeah. Chelsea's performance was just so raw. Mm. And just amazing. And 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 the rest of the show just goes really, really quickly. Because at the end of this song, she goes into labour. And we get the contraction ballet. Where you have all the women coming going. <laughs> you know, and they do their little breathing exercises. Yeah. And we go into the hospital. And Jenna's really struggling. <laughs> yeah, we get the, the screens come across so that she can change quickly. Yep. Because I, I was trying to figure out before how many layers she's wearing during the wedding and she used to be mine. Because she's wearing her maternity dress yep. with the bump. Then the dress obviously comes off and then they put the gown on her. And then when they take... The babe, when she gives birth, they take the bump off of her. Yeah. So she's still in the gown. And then afterwards, they take the gown off of her and she's wearing a different dress, which means she had to have had that dress because it's like quite short on underneath everything else that whole time. Yeah. She must be so warm. That's like all I could think about. It's adrenaline though, isn't it? It's like you were yeah. just going on pure adrenaline. So she's there going into labor. She's struggling and Joe's wheeled into her room mm -hmm. and gives her a card and says, you know, I'm about to have surgery. Wanted to give you a card, but wait until, you know, wait until baby comes enter earl yeah he's going to film the baby's birth and he has a bit of a confrontation with old joe he's like i don't know who you are and old joe's like i call you an idiot but it'd be you know go over your head mm. and you know pometer comes in and you have this nice awkward moment with pometer earl and jenna being there and then in comes a group of residents led by Dr. Pometer. <laughs> and we have all four in the room together and it's incredibly awkward. And Nurse Norma comments on it. Yeah. And this is, you know, you, you do see that Mrs. Dr. Pometer. You mean Dr. Pometer? Well, I've said that, but I'm trying to you know, make sure we know which Pometer I'm talking about. I wonder what her name is. I think it's like Susan or something like that. You, you I don't do know why I think it's that. But you see the way that she does look at Dr. Pometer, and it is with such love in her eyes that when Jenna says it in a bit, you believe it. And either that's Jenna's perspective seeing it, or it is very real. Mm. 
But it's this nice awkward Her name moment. Is Francine, apparently. Francine Pometer. Yes. The residents all leave. Mm -hmm. The girls come in to offer support and like you've got this. Yeah. And it all builds to this really big climax. You hear the heart beating. Mm -hmm. And Jenna's standing up and she's like, I'm not ready for this. What am I gonna do? And then it goes dark and you hear the babies cry and she's there post-birth. Yeah. And Jenna is given her daughter for the first time. And it's this really beautiful moment. Well, it's really sad because obviously she she didn't really want this to start with. Yeah. Not the baby, but like this whole situation. She didn't really want this. And so Nurse Norma is saying to her, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Which also... Again, medical malpractice is rife in this musical. Yeah. I love it, but like, this is if if someone's just given birth and they're not responding to you and they're staring into the distance, maybe harassing them about holding their baby isn't like the thing to do. Maybe yeah. you should check on them. But anyway, Nurse Norma hands her the baby and she looks at her, and then suddenly the whole lighting changes. It's suddenly yeah. like they had this like quite dim yellow lighting, and now we're like white light, mm. where it's like okay, everything's coming to yeah. This is the one thing about the show that I don't like. Oh, really? I don't like the idea that once you have a baby, everything in your life will change and only they will matter. It feels very... Maybe it's because I read Twilight at a young age <laughs> and it feels like the imprinting thing. It is a very Twilight. much of an imprinting moment. That's how I would describe it. I don't it. like that. And maybe it's because like my whole life growing up, I was like, as a teenager, being told oh, you'll want kids one day, which I'm sure is an experience we can all appreciate, but, and then being like, okay, but I might not, and adults saying like, oh, well, it's different when you look at your child for the first time, like, as if I have no agency in the matter, yeah. you know? And I'm sure when I eventually have kids, because I do want to have kids, like, I will love them, but it's not going to be this magical sudden moment I know that just seems a bit far fetched. I, I I can understand the writing trope of like, oh, it's so easy just to have it be done. Yeah. But I love this moment. I just love the thing where like Jenna just holds the baby for the first time, mm -hmm. and she's just like, oh. And I love it when Earl comes forward and she's like, you know, I've I've not been in love with you, Earl, for the longest time. We're finished. And he's like, oh, you're joking. She's no, get out of my sight. If you oh he says like oh you're gonna regret this when you get home and she's like oh you shouldn't have said that because now if you ever come near us again I'm gonna flatten you. But there's a nice moment where Pometer stands in and I was like don't touch me but like he's there just to stop everything, and it's this really nice moment. No one in the audience were like whooped. Everyone was silent. I've seen versions where people. But I, before, we've been yeah. in there where they whooped and I kind of wanted to but it just was just like you're just soaking in this moment, and all the. You know, the girls are there as well, and they're just like, oh, look at the baby. And they're all just, they're also overcome. Oh my God, we get my favorite Ogie joke. Ogie yeah. comes in and is like, is everybody decent? And Dawn's just like, yes, come in. And he comes in, and Dawn's like, oh, isn't she the most beautiful thing in the whole world? And Ogie says, there are no words, but I've double parked. And so he has to like, but he's like, I love screen. you, little baby. And he walks he turns up to, on to Dr. Palmer and is like, and I, I love, love you. you. And right. he goes out, and then Becky's like, I think we're going to go stand outside for a moment, aren't we, Dawn? And Dawn's too busy no, looking. No, no, we Lulu. don't need anything in the corridor. And Becky goes out, and then Dawn turns and sees Palmer and is like, I'll be outside. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nurse Norma takes the baby and puts it in, I guess, a little baby tray. I'm sure there's an actual name for that. Yes, but we're not a medical podcast. We're a musical podcast. 
puts the baby there, wheels the baby off, and and it's like we all know. And and she cracks. It's like I'm done with this. You know, <laughs> it's great because you you like it's it. Oh, she's like I'm. Maybe this stuff flies in Connecticut, but yeah, like I'm not picking. And up this she anymore. didn't say stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's this nice moment where it's like the climax of the Nurse Norma jokes, mm-hmm. and she goes and. Everybody Pom- loved that. Everybody yeah. loved Nurse Norma. This was such a good audience to be in. Yeah, and Pommeter's like, so I guess we're going to do this then. You've left mm-hmm. your husband. I will leave my wife. And Jenna says, I can never thank you enough for what you've done for me. Yeah, but you're not leaving your. But wife. you're not leaving your wife because I look at the way she loves you. And I know you feel the same. It's not even that she loves you. It's she has so much trust in you. Yeah. Like, it's it's really sad. It's tragic. Because, like, Jenna obviously likes this guy, but he's not important in the grand scheme of no. her life story. And know? he's so. what she needed at this point because he gave her the belief in herself that she could be more yeah. than she currently was. But, you know, that was act one of her life. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need him for act two of her life. But she'll never forget him because the lessons that he's given her have made her a more empowered person. Yeah. Like she knows what she wants now. And she, my favourite is like, you know, she jokes about how I couldn't bake it and it'll have to be vending machine. But here's some thanks for taking me to the moon, moon pie. Mm-hmm. And then we get everything changes. She names her daughter Lulu. And just just when you feel like this show, like nothing bad can happen anymore. Everything's okay. Elle's out the she picture. She remembers that she got a card from Joe. <sighs> this is different from the film. Yeah. Because in the film, but either way, right, Joe dies. <laughs> Joe died. Yeah, and it's this really nice letter that he's like. He bought her a sappy card Yeah. in the stage show. He buys her a sappy card from the hospital gift shop. Gift shop. And in it, he writes, like, basically, I've left the diner to you. Yeah. Like, this is yours now. Change your life, make your life, you know, whatever. And we get this bit where he steps onto the stage and he always wears this, like, sun hat, fedora looking thing. And he thing. just takes it off and kind of, like, bids her he, like, adieu. Well, so this is the first version I've ever seen as well, where when it, normally he takes it off and he waves it at her like he's saying goodbye. In this one, he takes it off and he waves her off the stage. He's like, go, live your life, yeah. be free, which I like. But in the in the film, he leaves her a really specific amount of money. He yeah. leaves her, like, $200,000 and is like, this is all of my assets. Go, live your life. And she's like, oh, my God. I prefer this version, I have to say. I like this. Yeah, because the diner is, like, her diner. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, man, I'm sobbing because it's just so sad. Oh, same. <laughs> like, because this is the thing. If you look at his arc as well, this gruff character that you're like, oh, we're going to hate him. And the fact that by this point you're like, oh, God. it's so, And it, it just how much Jenna meant him. And, like, it just is a really sad moment. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautifully staged as well. And then, you know, obviously a few years have passed because we've got little Lulu now. But it comes down that it's, it's Jenna's pie. Or Lulu's diner now. Yeah. And everyone's out all the pies are being boxed up you see little lulu with ogie and they're all ogie does a magic trick oh, for her and you get the oh. um if this person ordered 10 boxes of pies and this person ordered five boxes of pies how many boxes of pies is that and she's like a lot and so a lot. they have the sweetest little girl playing this as well like it's just such a lovely moment yeah and ogie's great as well and you've got cow who's also really like calm and the diner does look like more colorful you know, mm-hmm. because obviously it's changed. It looks yeah. Cool. They changed their um, uniforms. 
Yeah. They've got like colourful ones now. They're all in a different colour. It's yeah. cute. And, you know, obviously everyone still works. So it's still Becky, Dawn, who's pregnant, which is great because, you know, Dawn and Ogie are going to have their little family. Becky and Cal are there. And, you know, you have this brilliant reprise of opening up finale. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a lovely ending like everyone feels happy everyone feels better off you've got a slice of heaven pie named after joe because that's all he wanted was a joe's slice of heaven pie yeah. yeah and it's just everyone's happy and i i'll tell you what i really like about this show we don't need to know what happens to pomata at the end we don't need to know what happens to her at the end their stories are done mm-hmm. we move forward you know we don't need to know if becky and cal are together it's life it just continues yeah but it's nice because it ends on a really optimistic, positive note. And you get the ending with the sugar, butter, flour, dum. Yep. <sighs> and I am sobbing and I'm cheering, standing ovation because this show was amazing. Yeah, it really was. And I loved it. Uh, this is possibly the hardest one we we're ever going to talk about, but best song. <laughs> I mean, never getting rid of me ties with when he sees me so this is the thing there's different songs for different moments yeah i (sighs) i tend not to i've noticed as we've you know nearly done 100 episodes of the show now i tend not to pick the ballads as my my favorite songs yeah and like the ballads in this are so good like you matter to me is incredible she used to be mine is always amazing i didn't plan it it's so powerful it's so good but I think my two my two geeks. <laughs> yeah. When he sees me and never getting rid of me are definitely absolutely brilliant songs. And this favorite. is it. It's such a great performance from Evelyn Hoskins doing Dawn and doing When He Sees Me mm-hmm. and like Love You Like a Table and you know and the same from George Crawford when you have him doing Never Getting Rid of Me. It's such a great moment. Yeah. I have an honourable mention for The Negative. I think that song gets overlooked a lot. It does. I love it. I think it's really funny. Because it's such an important song in terms of plot telling. Yeah. And character building. Yeah, because we could just do a scene where this happens, but it would not mean as much. No, and it builds up their camaraderie really, really well. Mm. I could list every single song of here as like best songs because they're all so good. I love opening up so much. Mm -hmm. I love Dawn and Ogie songs. They are my favourite relationship in this. Yeah. I adore bad idea yeah and i love take it from an old man because it's it's just powerful but i think if i had to say a best song which i know i have to say is a best song um i'm gonna say bad idea slash bad idea reprise just because i love like i need a bad idea just love it so much yeah well guess what i found out what they changed the terminology to in when June Square played Old Josie, yep. is um, take it up from an old madam. Take it but from because an old it's, madam. Because it's American, they say ma'am. Take it from an old ma'am. Oh, I like <laughs> yeah, that. That works. Cute, That's cool. It? That's cool. Yeah. Um, Why don't you skip it, son? <sighs> right. <laughs> mm, I'm. <sighs> I'm going to say. I am going to say it's between. Dear Baby. And Pomata Pie. No. The two little instrumentals. Well, Pomata Pie, yeah, I guess. I mean, Dear Baby is it is like on the soundtrack and you obviously have her talking and it is just the monologue moment. There's no singing to it. Mm-hmm. So within the soundtrack, I guess I would skip Dear Baby and Pomata Pie and the contraction ballet 
because oh yeah contraction ballet is my skip as well. they are technically songs on the soundtrack so i can get away with it mm-hmm. don't get me wrong we've got the waitress soundtrack and there will be times where i will skip certain songs if i'm not in the mood for them if we're i don't dr- think it, i'm gonna call you out for this but i don't think the negative has ever come on on our playlist where you've let it play i do i always let it play no you, you don't love. no you don't i do <laughs> i've played it so much no, i will show you, don't. you always i am going it. to screenshot my spotify playlist and it will show how often i've played that one and i will prove otherwise okay whenever we're in the car and i'm with you you don't play it you skip it okay but then it might be that i've done more driving and i've already heard it more recently Good for you. I haven't. I have two versions of the Waitress songs. I have the cast recording and the Sarah Borales recording. So there'll be instances where we might have had Sarah Borales doing opening up and then three songs later. I don't think the negative is on the Sarah Borales playlist. No, my point being is that if we've we've gone on a 30-minute drive or a 45-minute drive Mm. and we've already had five Waitress songs... Yeah. I'm going to skip more because I want to have more from our musical playlist. Mm-hmm. I don't just want it to be a waitress playlist, and especially if you've had the Sarah Bareilles and the waitress. But it's 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 the the, the musical that has the most representation on the, on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Which role do you want to be? Dawn. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Dawn. Well, Ogie. There's no reason why Ogie can be a woman. No. I. Like anything else, you know. I've said this to you before that what I think this show offers is a really brilliant opportunity as a male performer to age up into different roles. Mm-hmm. You start as Ogie, and then you age up into either Pometer or Earl, and then you age up into Cow, and then you age up into Old Joe. That's what I would want to do. <laughs> I'd want to start as a young performer, go back in time, be Ogie, and age up into all of them. I love every single male role in this because I think there's so so much interesting things you can do as a performer with them. Yeah. Like I say with Ogie, you have the challenge at coming across endearing straight away. And you're fun as well. You know, you have these really nice comedic moments and I love his relationship with Dawn. It's great. Yeah. is great and you get to have some really nice comedic moments again you know things like the bad idea reprise you just get to be silly and indulgent you get to be this really awkward character and then you have like these moments where it's like you matter to me yeah i also think getting into his headspace of why is he cheating that would be really fun as an actor to be like what are the choices i'm making for this character mm-hmm. oh is such a good villain because there's so little to like about him and just having that moment where you go from just being this comedic foil to look at that tattoo to going to hit jenna yeah i think would be such a great challenge to play a character that is the complete anti me yeah and that would be a really interesting character to develop it's always interesting to play characters where that are nothing like you. Yeah. Cow's just fun. You get some nice one-liners, you know, some nice physical comedy as well. Mm. And then old Joe is just such, such, oh, like, I just love, like, his, his few moments and the way it builds. Yeah. It's such a great little one to play. If I could only be one of them, I would probably say... I would probably say Ogie. Cool. Because I I just love his relationship with Dawn so much. And I just think it's so sweet. And I have his clothes anyway. 
you know, I should have wore that to the, the theatre and dressed as Ogie. Mm. I, I love I love his character. I love his moments. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. So, before I give my verdict, I'm sure listeners out there can figure out what I'm going to say. And before Drew gives her verdict, and again, I'm sure you've already got a pretty good idea what our star rating is going to yeah. be on this one. Clear. Over to Instagram. 100% of people said yes, they were fans. Awesome. And we had a lot of interaction on this one. We heard from Tarek Abash, who said, this is another one of my favourites. I love, love, love Waitress. It always has me laughing and crying and wanting to sing every single song. Mm-hmm. Dawn and Jenna are two of my top dream roles. It doesn't feel like it's sugarcoating some of the harsher realities of life. So all of the characters feel very human and relatable. Also, yay for more shows with female leads and all the harmonies. Mm-hmm. Again, spot on every song is a genuine bop. Absolutely. Uh, Zoe Barker. On Instagram said, Waitress is an incredible show. I love it. It's very funny and romantic. I'm a massive fan of the show because Matt Willis from Busted is in it, which is really good. And, you know, sometimes where I think stunt casting is obviously a good thing is it raises the profile of something to people who maybe would never have seen it before. Yeah. You know, how many people go and see something because it's got a name attached to it? You know, it's important. On Twitter... 20% 20% of people just said waitress. 8% of people said, no, that's a bad idea. 8% of people said it's okay. And, and a big majority of people, 64% yes, love like a table. We heard from Theatre Flashbacks, which is at Theatre Flashback 1. I love this show. It's so full of joy and fun and hope. I'm lucky to have seen three different Jenners. Betsy Wolf on Broadway was my first and she was brilliant. Then Catherine McPhee in the West End, also great. But without doubt, the greatest Jenner for me was Lucy Jones on tour. Lucy can do no wrong in my eyes. I definitely want to see her in Wicked now. This is a great female empowered show and the three friends are so well crafted and developed. I will go back many times, hopefully, to see this show. My favourite Dr. Pometer was the fabulous David Hunter. He is such a gifted performer and Sarah Borales' score is gorgeous. I find myself moved to tears throughout, especially when Joe sings to Jenna. A lovely moment. Shout out to the hysterical George Crawford, currently Ogie, comedy genius. Which, again, I think we've echoed a lot of those sentiments in this. Yeah. Uh, We heard from at CK is killing it. I clicked yes, but that's for the film. I haven't seen the musical. It's on my list. Uh, such a bloody infuriating tragedy you know and it, it really is and it's so great that this musical exists to keep that i guess story of waitress going mm. and presenting it in a new medium to an audience that may never have seen it laura jane thompson at lousy et jane i am interested in going to see it it's on tour my sister went to go and see it with her friend in the west end and she said the theater smelled like pie do the theater smell like pie on tour is it only its permanent home in the west end and broadway unfortunately yes yeah there were no pies which is such a shame because i love the second time i went to see it i did buy one of the chocolate pies and i kept my dish but unfortunately got broken and i would love to have replaced it (laughs) (laughs) but no there's no pies but that was one of my favorite things like in terms of like a gimmick going into that walking past the Adelphi smelling the pies and then going in and being able to have one that's so cool Mm. and finally and this is such a lovely story that I really really loved hearing waitress has a special place in my heart it was Sarah O'Connor's debut as Jenna and I cried to she used to be mine 
upset as I wanted to be a dad so much, unaware that my wife sitting next to me is one month pregnant, special memories. Yeah. And that was from Justin Bush at Justin Bushy. And I think that's just a, a perfect sentiment. Like this is a special show that I think has different meanings for different people. And I can't imagine how amazing that moment would be, you know, sitting there like feeling that way and then finding out that at the time. I think that's such a, a lovely sentiment to end Waitress on. I think I know what your star rating is for this one, Drew. Of course, five stars. Yeah, five stars. Easy five stars. <laughs> if you get a chance to go and see this on tour, you absolutely should. And I hope it will get a permanent home back in the West End, where it belongs. This is an amazing show, and you should 100% go and see it. Mm-hmm. What are we watching next week for episode 100? What did the fans vote for? Next week, we are going to be watching The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Feels appropriate. We've been in the midst of a storm here in the UK. Yeah. So there'll be no place like home as we go off to Oz. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited to relive something I've not seen since I was a little child. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff that you have absolutely no memory of. I I guarantee it. <laughs> I, I feel like I've got a better memory because we watched The Wiz, which is obviously the adaptation of it, but... Mm-hmm. I you know remember... what we're also definitely going to talk about while we watch The Wizard of Oz? Are we going to talk about all like the conspiracy theories attached to the filming of The Wizard of Oz? We can. They're all fictional. Okay. But, I mean, except for the terrible pay and poor treatment of their uh, ensemble cast. Yes. But, no, the uh, the Andrew Lloyd Webber... Oh, of course, because um, he, he... Over it... the rainbow He brought <laughs> it to the stage, so. didn't he? Oh. Yeah, because we saw... Uh, one of the runners-up in White Christmas, didn't we? We did. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that too, because that show's wild. <laughs> I am excited to talk about Wizard of Oz. It is a show I've been in, mm-hmm. albeit as a munchkin. I'm sure you were a very cute little munchkin. We'll talk about that next week. How old were you? 11. We'll talk <laughs> about next week. too old to be a munchkin. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know your thoughts on Waitress. Uh, There's a lot we've said in this show that we want you to interact with. You know, um, how good was my accent, for instance? Let's serve Drew some (laughs) humble pie. But also, have you now been convinced to go and watch this show on tour because of our views? Let us know. And let us know your thoughts on The Wizard of Oz. A poll will be coming out during the week. Mm -hmm. Interact with us over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. If you like the show, you can subscribe to us on a multitude of great podcasting platforms. You can head over to Apple Podcasts. You can head over to Google Podcasts. You can find us on the Amazon Music app under the podcast sections of the library. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Good Pods. And you can find us on our OG hosts 100 weeks later, Podbean. And if you like what we do, why not leave us a five-star review and tell us what you love about this show on any of those good platforms or podchaser.com. We love hearing your thoughts and knowing that we are making a difference for some of your lives. So many of you over the past 99 weeks have brought us so many moments of joy. So thank you to all of you for that. We will be back same bat place, same bat channel next week. Longing for home. Have a magical, musical Monday.